0: this week on episode 500 of priority one we celebrate with interviews featuring star trek picards allison pill isa briones evan evagora we're also joined by deep space nines alexander Siddig and robert o'reilly you're listening to a roddenberry podcast command codes verified
1: priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
2: your hosts
0: hello captains you're listening to episode 500 of priority one a roddenberry star trek podcast your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the star trek multiverse this episode was recorded throughout the week of march 8th and available for download or streaming on friday march 19th at priority one podcast.com i'm elio I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. All right, Captains. So on Saturday, March 13th, from 11 a.m. to, I don't know, later like than 7 o'clock, later than we thought o'clock, we held a, what was supposed to be only a 500-minute live stream celebrating our 500th episode. If you joined us for that event and you were a member of the chat rooms, whether you were on Twitch, YouTube... Facebook, Twitter, wherever, we are so very grateful that you joined us. Not only that you joined us, but that you helped us beat our fundraising goal of $2,000 for the Poor People's Campaign. A fundraising goal that was matched by Rod Roddenberry. So, we raised over $4,000 for the Poor People's Campaign. And that could not have happened without your support. So, thank you so very much. And, Tony, Kat, you guys were there too. What, uh... What was your favorite moment, Kat?
3: Um, I don't know. There were a lot. It, I mean, the day just flew by, and we had the best time talking to everybody and everybody in chat participating. It was great. Um, I'm, Robert O'Reilly and the puppet, probably puppet <laughs> Garron How can you puppet say Galron? that that wasn't that wasn't the best part Play, of the day? Playing
4: Star Trek online with the creator of Star Trek wasn't wasn't top.
3: I'm, Okay, but puppet. But Delran. puppet Delran. Okay,
4: yeah, yeah I, I see the argument. I
0: definitely see the argument. It's true.
3: Oh, Rod was fantastic. I can't believe he offered to match our donations. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, man, yeah, what a good time.
0: And that wasn't pre-planned, Rod. No, he the just donation. dropped that. that out. No,
3: he just su- surprised us. It was amazing. It was pretty great. Yeah. What about you, Tony?
4: Oh, I kind of liked it towards the end where we blew through you know 500 or you know 600 in fundraising in about an hour by just people uh, you know uh Seth films came in and added another prize we did a little dance into when we hit 1701 dollars we gave away an extra prize I mean that that was uh, uh it was a lot of fun where we just kind of powered through to, to meet our goal towards the end there that's that's always that's that's it's a it's a nice feeling to have people respond to you like that and to uh, have the community come up and, and step forward and really jump on that goal so good job everybody
0: yeah to echo Tony's point that is incredible I mean the Star Trek community you guys I say it every week without you none of this would be possible and our ability to raise funds the way we did for the Poor People's Campaign could not have been done without you so thank you for sharing the live stream as it was happening thank you for tweeting about it thank you for telling all your friends to, to consider donating and being a part of this momentous occasion I mean seriously 10 years of podcasting 500 episodes it's it's mind blowing.
4: My mind is gone, blown. It's it's. I know. My yeah. Use, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And it didn't help that we did it on a weekend of daylight savings.
4: Oh, I, I'm still <laughs> paying for it now. I'm still paying for
3: it. I'm so tired every morning. But this week, we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. Given that we're a podcast built by a community of Star Trek fans, it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite app and you'll find us. Or email us. You can reach us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com.
0: As Kat said, and as I was mentioning before, this podcast is produced by the community. We are all volunteers. Nobody gets paid for the work that they contribute, for the talents that they offer to producing this show each and every week, from our audio editors to writers to ourselves, the hosts. We all come together each and every week because we're just passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And I think that our Saturday event is an excellent example of that, how we're passionate and how we want to share in that passion with you.
3: And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. So if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. But we understand that financial contributions might be tough right now.
4: Which is why our door is always open to other passionate Trekkies who might be interested in joining our team, from audio or video editors, to artists, to hosting, that's right, The Hunt is on for a new voice to join our team. So if you got a lot to say about Star Trek, we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click the Join the Team link at the top. But here's some big news, folks. A search is over while this search is still going on. I will be stepping down from my host position here at Priority One, and taking the chair, taking the reins, taking my place, is Roscoe McQueen, who you may know from our After Hours podcast. Roscoe's a professional broadcaster. He does it for real, and he's so good at what he does, which is you know largely keeping Elio in check. So what we are looking for still is a fourth voice to add to the conversation. We want you to join in on the fun. Click on our website, priorityonepodcast.com. Click on that Join the Team link, and you'll find a description of all the available positions you can contribute to.
0: And Captains, if you're listening and you happen to be a member of the BIPOC and or LGBTQ community, we hope that you'll seriously consider applying for this fourth hosting position no quiero ser el único latino que le encanta star trek and we're hoping that we can be joined by another voice to help elevate the conversation and make sure we're representing as many aspects of the community as possible so as tony said our website is PriorityOnePodcast.com.
3: now let's jump into our 500th episode interviews with our star trek guests on screen
0: Joining us now to help celebrate our 500th episode is Allison Pill. Thank you so very much for joining us and helping us celebrate our 500th and to help raise funds for the Poor People's Campaign.
5: Thank you so much for having me and congratulations on 500 wonderful episodes. And I'm so glad that the ethos of Roddenberry lives on and that we're all here supporting the Poor People's Campaign, whose work I love.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, be- before we talk uh, you know, about your work and Star Trek and, and other projects, um, we talked a little bit about the Poor People's Campaign prior to, to hitting the record button. What is it about this organization that that speaks to you?
5: Um, I think the the real coalition building, the real seeing of commonality among kind of disparate groups and a real focus on putting those groups together to fight for what's right, you know, for fairness, for justice. And I'll also say that I've seen um, Reverend Barber speak, and I don't think anybody who's seen him live or watched any of his speeches will will remain unmoved (laughs) or unconvinced.
0: Well, thank you so very much. And, and to our listeners, we hope that you'll donate as we as you listen to this interview. And uh, again, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, let's jump in. So, you know, you're no stranger to being part of projects that end up making waves, you know, in pop culture. And one only really needs to glance at your IMDb entry just to see how incredible your career is. But let's talk about your entry into the Star Trek mythos. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of your involvement with Star Trek Picard.
5: I got a call from Alex Kurtzman, and the idea that Patrick was going to be back was really sort of the first thing because he's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> um, and and then the second part of it was knowing that um, Michael Shaban was going to be show running our first season. And and I just was like, I want to meet Michael Shaban So yeah, I'll do your TV show. <laughs> Not really, <but> kind of. <laughs> I was like, this so is part a of the deal. as we play. talk <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly.
4: Coffee twice. <laughs> Twice at least two coffees yeah. <laughs> yeah
5: and that the level of people involved and the the kindness and thoughtfulness of the people involved and sort of the driving force behind it being all of star trek about exploring these issues of how we can stop othering people <laughs> how we can actually you know find this peaceful common ground and and really thrive as a species and a planetary body
0: <laughs> and so in the process of learning about your character dr Girati, you know what what was it about her specific character that that drew you in
5: well, it was really interesting. I mean, from that first conversation with Alex, you know, he sort of took me through the plot. And then he's like, and then she's actually a spy. <laughs> you no, <know>, oh, spoiler <laughs> alert, if anybody's not seen
4: season, it's <laughs> It's been a year. <laughs> I think it's OK. Yeah,
5: yeah. Um, uh, and I was like, oh, that's fun to play. You know, playing secrets is is one of an actor's uh, greatest challenges of like how you can how you can plant these ideas through the arc that somebody on a rewatch would be able to pinpoint exactly what was going on. And so that felt like a really fun challenge. And she's just funny. And I just really love science nerds. And I really love, like, you know, we we talk about her as this person who um, has just spent a lot, a lot of time alone in a room thinking. And I just really appreciate that.
0: Now, the that journey, right, that, that we see through through season one, you know, as you've mentioned, Alex Kurtzman kind of painted this broad picture and, and, you know, in the early process, what was it like as you were filming? Did things change? Did you have to adapt? Were there changes to the character that you necessarily weren't expecting?
5: I think they started writing more for the kind of Girardi like awkwardness that's not only social, but just you know, she's not, there, there's something interesting in the fish out of water of the, the, the practical practical nature of what she's suddenly doing instead of the theoretical nature. Um, and I think, you know, that started to be more fun for the writers in terms of just like, what does this person do when she's actually in space?
4: <laughs> Everyone else else's Star Trek lives in space and works in space and, and vacations yeah. in space and gerardi's like, what is this space?
5: Yeah, exactly. Besides this black void that is really kind of boring. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so that was, I think that became more fun. And I think coming up in season two, kind of embracing some of that humor um, is kind of my favorite stuff to do.
0: Now, I remember I was sitting in Madison Square Garden during New York Comic-Con 2019, the the before time, and tell us about that moment when you walked on stage to a theater full of Trekkies who were excited for a show that hadn't even premiered yet. You know, what what has this fandom taken you through?
5: Well, you know, what's interesting is I still haven't really experienced it <laughs> because nobody had seen the show. And I so I've never gotten to um, hear from fans what they think of Jurati. Um, You know, the, it, it was interesting at the New York Comic Con and the Comic Cons previously. It's just sitting in awe as Peace Do just like waxes poetic about every single thing. It's like, how did, do you prepare this like, did you write this down beforehand? <laughs> like, how, how are you doing that? And the performance of it, you're just sort of just in awe of his command of these kind of amphitheaters of fans. And I mean, you're just like, man, if you wanted to run for president of the world, I think you would win. Yes. <laughs>
4: Well, he he has had about thirty years of experience doing that, so I mean, it's you know, true. He, he he does walk onto that stage like he, like he owns it because he kind of does.
5: He kind of <laughs> does. He kind of does. Yeah. So so those so what I've experienced up till now is just sort of awe at Patrick and and appreciation for the fans, but I can't wait to have the experience of of now people having seen it a little you know having seen the first season and hopefully seeing the second one
0: well i think you'll find that that trekkies are are a lovable group
5: yes yeah no i and i and i find that to be true it's just i haven't you know we just haven't had to, the Chance to have the reception kind of of it.
0: Now you've been talking about working with uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, um, and I mean you had an amazing ensemble on on this production. I would assume the scene where something happens to a certain someone. I mean, it's impossible to not to not spoil it. I mean, if people haven't it's, watched it's it. It's fine, now, man. It's been a year. And we're celebrating dude, a five hundredth episode of of a, of a Star Trek <laughs> podcast. If you haven't watched it yet, I don't know what, what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know what but, you've been
4: doing. Yeah.
0: So the the, the scene where uh, you end his life um mm-hmm. you know was pr- probably challenging but i'm i'm curious if it was your most challenging scene working on uh, season 1 of picard and if not what was you know what 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 scene you know pushed you as an actor
5: you know i'd say like anything involving the admonition or like the vulcan moments um, just like the mind meld of the a- admonition situation, just cause like, how do you act out something that is that horrible? Like, how do you put that on your face? How do you demonstrate that this is enough to make somebody insane, make somebody suicidal, like explode somebody's brain, basically, and that it's enough to convince me to kill somebody? Those to me were those moments were the most challenging, I would say. And I know people are all like, wait, she didn't suffer any consequences and whatever. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) What <laughs> well,
4: sounds to me like you've had some fan reactions so far already, right? Is that, is that... <laughs> well, no, I've
5: just heard, yes, like I've heard the reactions of that, yeah.
4: Well, what well, you just said was interesting to me, though, because a minute ago you were saying that one of the fun things about this was dropping those little hints throughout the season. That if someone mm-hmm. goes back and watches it's like, oh, she's thinking about it right there, right? So you have to put in yeah. some little subtle things right there. But on the other hand, trying to uh, display the extreme emotions when, I mean, obviously your brain's breaking, so just do that. Is there is there, yeah, exactly. is there is there a range? Right, I mean, I mean, one would think it'd be easier to go. Oh, brain breaking. Okay, I got that. But rather rather than the chess game of four episodes from now, you're gonna know why I made a slight frowny face here.
5: <laughs> but it's also like you know, I can understand the emotion of. Getting somebody back that you've lost only to lose them again. You know, I can understand the like feelings of extraordinary guilt and shame. Those are, those are things I'm like, oh yeah, I have a roadmap to those. I definitely understand. <laughs> I've done that. Shame. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> after school,
4: best friend. Tuesday. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs>
5: but the idea of this otherworldly thing, I'm like, what would that be? Like, what is every painful thing that has ever happened? Like, like the demonstration, the experience of every bad thing that has ever happened of universal destruction, um, and extraordinary pain. Like, how do you act that, (laughs) um, that, that I don't, you know, I don't know that one. That's not a Tuesday for me, thankfully.
4: (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, we, we are living in COVID, so maybe it could be, I mean, you never know. (laughs)
5: You never know. It's listen, it's twenty twenty one, who knows? Talk to me next week. <laughs>
4: Well, so as Picardos airing in 2020, uh, about halfway through the season, another show was premiering on FX called mm. Devs, mm-hmm. where you played another scientist involved in uh, a remarkable world-shattering discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like, uh, from our uh, calculations, filming was back-to-back. Like you, There's uh, not, a lot of, uh, not a lot of space there. So yeah. how did you approach those similarities and differences between your Gerardi Dur- character and Katie?
5: As Alex Garland put it, Katie has a worldview that is truly unlike any other. Um, and once you see the show and once you understand determinism and quantum physics, you'll see why.
0: Oh, yes, that's that's an easy <laughs> understanding. Yes, I will.
4: <laughs> yeah, let's just walk through that here, the 20 minutes we have left. We'll just, you know, just a, a, a short stroll.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because as emotional a tale as Dev's was, it also felt like, like harder sci-fi, um, which I loved. Um, like my readings for... For devs included some some pretty fantastic tomes um, and Katie's and Katie is very different from Gerardi and, and I think that's where the humor kind of came in and it became so important for me with Gerardi specifically because um, there's a lightness to her as well as this darkness and Katie just how do you find something funny when you when you can control when you have all the control in the world right, right, right. <laughs> you know like when you know what's about to happen when you you know what has happened when you have a complete understanding a true understanding of the universe what's funny <laughs>
0: You had a very, you know, Morpheus explains the Matrix kind of vibe to the character, especially towards the, the remaining three episodes or so of, of the of the series. Um, and I think about one of the last ones where you're sitting across from Sonoya Mizuno kind of explaining yeah. to her what's going on. And both series were filmed very differently. So can you, can you tell yeah. us a little bit about the differences between working with one director for an entire series, as you did with devs, versus... You know many directors, as you did with Picard, is there one you prefer
5: if your one director is alex garland it 's pretty great <laughs> um, and it 's also that he 's the writer and that it 's from his brain and he 's an incredibly collaborative person you know i still I still ask him questions and and stuff like i 'll just text him like, what do you think of that because i 'm just curious about um about his thoughts on stuff because he 's a very thoughtful person, and I really enjoy that, and also just. You know, we got to shoot that. Sonoy and I got two days to shoot that scene. It's it's like most of the it's most of an episode is just two people sitting in a room talking about determinism. Not everybody considers entertaining TV. I I, I effing love it, um, and uh, and and the opportunity to do that. Um, doesn't come along very often. At the same time, like it's really um it's really a joy when Frakes is your director, you know, on, on Star like like watching like the relationship that he has both to Star Trek and to Patrick and to everybody there and just his joy. Like that energy is amazing to be around and really um you know it's it's just it's just a special thing. Um and also the the different energies of all the directors coming in is cool. It's 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 a different difficult relationship to manage because you're only there for kind of a shorter time and actors are sort of like well what does who's the person that I know because we just met and I don't know if I trust you yet (laughs) you know versus spending months with somebody who whose vision you're just like this is what we're here to do so the the trust level sort of has to be developed, and it's why returning directors are lovely. Each are their own animal, and um, and I love them both.
0: I mean, I, I thought Devs was a phenomenal series. I really enjoy. I actually watched it twice. Uh, oh, once cool. during the, it's because it's kind of like The Matrix, you kind of gotta watch it twice and binge I it, think you know? so,
5: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, And I mean, everyone's performance was spectacular, yours and Nick Offerman's was just out of this world. I mean, just phenomenal.
5: And Jin and Sanoi, like every, everybody, Zach, who plays the like security ops guy.
4: But actually, I wanted to ask you something about what you just mentioned a second ago about the the having uh, because Garland wrote and directed and was there for the whole the whole thing. But Picard, yeah. it's it was Michael Shabon's sort of his show. But mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart had a hand in how how kind of the, the series unfolded because he was willing to come back. Is there a lot of cooks in the kitchen? Do you, did you did you get the feeling that as you were doing this, uh, there were people putting in new ideas as the show was going on, rather than for Garland? I'm sure he had kind of a a picture going in and uh, and then executed it.
5: Well, it's a, it's a tw- it's a different thing because we had all of our scripts. It was so much closer to, you know, an 8-hour movie for devs. You know, Akiva uh Akiva Goldsman and Michael were our main, you know, people folks. Um like Michael was there every day. Yeah you know by the end of the season when it's it's a it's a give-and-take thing because while we had um kind of an enclosed scenario and there was never going to be anything further beyond (laughs) there are no sequels to devs devs. exactly right like everybody who's looking for
4: a sequel stop
5: (laughs) So so the fact that that was encapsulated entirely was different than Picard because you both get, like, there is the joy of getting to take it. Like what I said of finding the humor in Jurati and starting to write for that, starting to write for the relationships that really become interesting and inspiring. You know, like, Jurati and Picard are, get pretty close. Like, Patrick and I love working together. Like, that's just, that just happened, you know where you gravitate and having the ability to mobilize around that is really cool. And also, you know, by episode 10, we're like getting script revisions the day. We're like, what is (laughs) (laughs) is happening?
4: <laughs> I mean, maybe used to be right. I mean, the the day the you know, I, I said Dave's. Huh. The devs model is is I sort like of Dave's. Is new. I like the Yeah, show, I, I went there. The I did
2: it. I, and
4: I did it.
3: Dave's.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so but the, but the devs model is kind of the new thing right where you yeah. know you're gonna get x weeks or x months to to do a whole show and it's a beginning middle end story whereas mm-hmm. TV back then was you know, back you know 20 years ago was, I hope we don't get canceled this week yeah uh, you know and and, you know, and you're, you're constantly trying to update and take notes from the studio and and uh, you know a guest star cancels on you so you have to kind of rewrite part of the part of the script you know totally. I mean is that it, it, your, your your career spans a, a pretty a fair decent amount of time now does it harken it's back only- to something you I'm not calling you old, madam. No, madam. <laughs> I am not. I'm telling you, you've had a, a, a productive career.
5: It's like been, it's been 25 years that I've been doing this. Mm. Um, yeah. It's insane. Um, sorry. Yeah, but, you were saying.
4: No, I was just as, as, as you, you, you were, does this sort of harken back? Like, you know, does, is the, is the card, you know, episodic sort of, you know, uh, 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 structure more, more what it was back in the day when you couldn't plan for having a whole encapsulated series?
5: Well, I think here's the thing. Like, Doing American Horror Story, we were getting the same, like, scripts were not fit You know what I mean? And that's an anthology, like closed and supposedly encapsulated and it was chaotic you know i hear friends who worked on different like shonda rhimes shows constantly there's like three episodes going at once and there's rewrites happening and and it ends up being to the good but it is this sort of fly by the seat of your pants like there's never enough time um and and you're shooting for so long like from the time that you were in a writer's room in this vacuum till the time the actors get on set and a director gets their paws on it you know, suddenly you're like, oh, that is a good idea. We should shift that. And what what cookie crumbles then, you know? So I think there's something, I think there's something natural to it. Like there's something unavoidable to it unless you're in a very specific position with a very specific network. I hear about it all the time. And it's just stuff doesn't, I mean, you look at, you You hear about the reshoots on something like Westworld, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this didn't work for a long time. Like, Part of me just wishes, here's what I'll say. Just people, just create prep time for a rehearsal. That's just what I want. (laughs) (laughs) We rehearsed rehearsed everything on Depths. And part of that was having the script, but it also, then you get to set and you're like, I understand the scene. I don't have a bunch of questions to be answered while money is being spent to have people stand around. I don't understand why people won't prepare in a different way. I come, you know, I've done a lot of theater too. And I'm like, I love table work. We could figure this stuff out, you know, pretty pretty quickly and cheaply.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you're talking to a theater kid and a practicing attorney. Yes, preparing is really 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 (laughs) important. It's really
5: the thing. No, I just wish that was the case more, and I wish people would would invest in the things that actually that actually make sense. But people don't do that often.
4: Well, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned American Horror Story because I told my wife who I was interviewing today, and she's like, "Oh, she was really good as our murder cultist." So you know, <laughs> so that was a really memorable performance. I just wanted to let you know that uh, that, that, that people out here remember that for you. So. <laughs> you know back to our conversation about you know the big emotion on your face versus the you know slightly frowny face that pays off in four episodes do you find do you, do you like playing the sort of cerebral scientist uh you know understated or did you like the whole hack and slash you know horror uh, horror side of things a little, a little more
5: melodrama i mean uh, Melodrama is super fun. Like it's really fun. Um, <laughs> okay. I will say that that the the actual like torture porn elements of that show were very difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good. <laughs>
2: so, right. Right. right.
5: You, you know, it just doesn't feel good um, a lot of the time. So I I hadn't given birth to my daughter yet. Um, when that became clear that that was gonna be happening. And so I was still, like I had, I think she was like six months old by the time I started shooting. And I was just like, this feels like something.
4: you'd something. be you'd be pleased with more offers for more katie's and Gittis then if, if exactly yeah okay yeah right. gotcha yeah 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 yeah
0: and you know that's yeah. important i mean that's that's the actor's journey right as a as a craftsperson you know working on your own craft um you hadn't i i, I then assume you hadn't done something like that before something that torture pornish kind of performance
5: no no i had it and and nothing to that i mean you know i did a horror movie called cooties which is really funny <laughs> i mean it's really weird and funny and there are kid zombies mm-hmm. um and like that level of like like some like a little kid playing jump rope with uh, an intestine is like really funny to me yeah. you know like i'm not that's, that's prudish about. Yeah. <laughs> yes like i'm not prudish about it that's and i pant. love horror um you know and i just finished another horror show that's coming out in like a month it's one of these things. Like, what what elevates it to a degree that beautifies it, and what elevates it to a point of let's have this discussion. Um, and it's an important distinction to be making as an artist, and 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 it's and it's sometimes hard to know.
0: You know, I want to go back a moment. You had uh, we were talking about. Um... The character of Doctor Girardi on on Picard, and you know the the rumblings of the consequences. You yeah. know, it, it sounds to me like do you watch do you watch your own performances? Do you watch them back after they've been edited and published? We well, yeah, to watch
5: the show because that's okay. the only way I see anything.
0: Okay, good. I'm going to see everybody else. I, I think of some you know some performers who don't like they just will not watch mm-hmm. themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm curious as as you as you watched season 1 of Picard, you know, we talked about the consequences. Was there something that perhaps made it on the cutting room floor? Something that you had upon rewatching went, "Ah, oh, I wish that that would have made it. That scene with somebody would have made it."
5: Um, I think there was stuff with Rios that ended up on the cutting room floor that would have made things uh you know I think our I think our last episode just got really long. And and I also won't say that like you know we we move off from season 1 without having established whether or not there will be consequences or what people think of it, you know.
4: That's that's still open. Yeah, they just might, things might not have hit yet. Yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers.
5: No spoilers. And also, yeah, like <laughs> like it's hard because there were so many iterations. I mean, there's an entirely there's an entirely different first season. <laughs> really like entirely different. Um, sitting sitting on Michael shaban and, and Kiva's laptops you know what I mean
4: as you said the 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 series grew and changed as people showed up on set and things happened yeah and and and, okay. and that and you've already said that's normal for television uh, you know it, it's the it's the it's the devs that is sort of maybe a unique character
5: yeah and, and and as I say there's pluses and minuses to that in that you can be responsive to what you're seeing in dailies and what you're seeing in early episodes which is super cool and um, and being able to to respond to inspiration is always great and then there's also the like oh man you know our first episode had a, like a bunch of time behind it mm, and then suddenly right. you're like oh I really like this idea and then and then you're suddenly dealing with those cookies crumbling in episode whatever and you're like oh man really wish we hadn't been inspired by that because it <laughs> would have been so it's created today.
4: problems yeah <laughs> right. yeah well you know but you want to take advantage of those things like when allison and patrick become best pals you want to make sure you have more scenes together right totally you want, to, you want, you, you want that mm-hmm. to happen sure absolutely you oh want that flexibility
0: God. yeah <laughs> so i think our listeners would boycott the show if we don't at least try to ask if there's anything about season two that you could share uh with respect to your character or in general
5: um, well, from what I can say, um, we so we have a new showrunner, Terry Metalis. Um, and Akiva's been on you know, on board too. We have a cool, super cool writer's room. And um, I have read the first five. And again, like this is saying it with like things can All change. the
4: caveats. All right. the caveats. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. We just um, had a big, long discussion about how stuff changes as things get responded to and dailies get started. Yes, that yes, exactly. Right.
5: Um, and budgetary needs, too, because we're right. spending sure. a lot on PPE, literally. Um... But, uh, but I will say, I think the strength and integrity of the show have only grown. I think the stories we're telling this season all make really wonderful sense for characters and for stories that we want to be telling in 2021. And um, I think it, I think it's going to be even better. Do
0: you you think this last year, 2020 has influenced the, the the direction of the story? How could Um, it not? How could
5: anything, I mean, this year has influenced everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we may not see it in ways, you know, we're not going to be like, everybody's in a mask now in (laughs) space. But but Star Trek
4: could be the Denoblian flu or whatever, you know, come on, everybody. Sure, why not?
5: Um, Yeah. it's a great idea i should pitch that, I can um, write that
4: down. yeah yeah tell, tell akiva to give me a call we'll talk yeah we'll, we'll work this out um uh
5: but i think you know suddenly our writers were not in a room they were in a zoom room right you know akiva's across the country you know like we 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 are not we haven't shared space right. um uh and so that that's going to affect it in ways that i you know i don't even know um Not in any bad or weird way, it's just like... Well, everyone has to cope
4: with it now. It's a change.
5: Yeah. I'm sure that will have affected the way we think about the stories, but I also think, you know, the stories we want to tell remain the same in that it is about um, how we become a better species how we become a better culture um Mm -hmm. of acceptance and generosity and non-judgmental goodness
0: i think it's what gene roddenberry was always endeavoring for right just that yes actually speaking about that um did you immerse yourself into the franchise and watch you know just about everything you can um leading up to the role of jurati Um, are are you now a trekkie like a like 100%, 100%, you know, you're in.
5: Listen, I'm no Stacey Abrams. I don't know. I mean, like, I can't. I can't with that woman. She's just, it's insane. Right. We've done two trivias with her, and it's just like, how do you know this? Um, don't even uh, try. It's just, like, so it's like, am I, no, I can't. I'm neither a Trekkie nor a Trekker. I wouldn't, I wouldn't presume to take on the title. I'd feel like a fraud. I'm a great appreciator of it. I, I, I will say, like, I just went back to TNG because that's where, that, that was my Star Trek girl growing up experience. And, you know, I do, I do want to expand from there, but, um, but it's so good. Um, anyway, <laughs> like, yeah, there's people out there who, and having, and having them, you know, as well in Kirsten's case, like uh, emailable to be like, Hey, what's this thing? Or like what episodes do you recommend for this particular storyline? You know?
4: You're, you're surrounded by 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 just by resources, right? I mean, yes. you, know, you know, people are ready to help you out with, you know, go here. This is where yeah. you need to look. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And the internet too is actually very good. Like you're like
4: oh, memory hey. alpha. Oh, everyone. <laughs> you're goes like, to let me just alpha. look
5: up like what what are good yeah. Borg episodes? You know? Okay, yeah, there we right.
4: go. Right. Exactly. There's a
5: lot. There's like <laughs> and there's essays and fan fiction. There's just there, there's an insane amount. Like if I ever have a question, it's, there's an answer to it. There's an essay
4: on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not handy during trivia night or considering. Or uh, going to Google is considered cheating. You know, I mean, you know, right? Yes. You know, right. But for do but
5: for research, it's for it's
4: preparation, good. right? Yeah, preparation. It's the key.
5: Yes, exactly. Just everybody prepare, and then we'll be happier. <laughs>
0: Well, Allison, before we let you go, we want to give you an opportunity to talk about any of the projects you have coming up that you'd like to promote. Anything that uh, that people should keep an eye out for?
5: Yeah, I'll say this new show um, is called "Them" and it's on Amazon. It comes out April 9th, and it's this. It's set in the fifties, and it's this. Um, it's about this black family that moves into all-white Compton in the fifties. And um, the horror is both, you know, just moving into a white neighborhood in the 50s for a black family and and based in historical reality and also takes on this kind of existential spiritual side um, on the supernatural side um, to to kind of convey the terror of being black in America. And it's a really powerful show. Um, and yeah, April ninth.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that.
5: I play somebody who's not very, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not very nice.
0: Oh, you're Ooh. a bad guy.
5: I'm, I'm the, the worst guy.
0: All cool. right.
5: Oh, okay, <laughs> All right. Yeah.
0: All right. I, I, You know, I find that some some performers think to themselves, you know, or or kind of enjoy playing the darker side. Do you kind of gravitate? Do you find yourself gravitating to those characters a little bit more now? Do you find that, you know, they, they allow you to express yourself? No, let me not phrase the question that way.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so do yeah. so yeah. you reveal your darkest inner demons yeah. here? Yeah.
4: This yeah. is sort of like, you know, letting the bad, bad side out.
5: <laughs> Did you have to stuff um, it back
4: in you at home? Yeah. <laughs>
5: I will say I love, I uh, you know, complexity in characters is something that I've always searched for, especially as a female, because many, many females only get to be one thing or the other. So I think finding complexity and being like, are you a good guy or a bad guy? Well, that's a silly question. You're a human guy.
4: <laughs> um, well, that's why and- I get asked the question: Are you the bad guy? That that the silly questions are my department. That, that,
5: that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I do. Well, no, I mean in this case, she's really the bad guy. But there's also, but there's there's there is complexity to it too, and there is an exploration of. She's not the bad guy in her story.
0: Right, right,
4: right, oh, right. Those are the best villains.
0: Right, that's, yeah. and I think that's where I was kind of going with it is that there are, yeah. you know, uh, whether through theater or television or film, you know, we're we're seeing over the course of the last decade or so, we're seeing more stories being told of, I don't know, the anti-hero kind of thing, you know, that what is good, what is bad, and, you know, obviously you can't give too much away about this new this new work, but, you know, there's definitely clearly evil, and then there's yeah. that, you know, where where is it on the spectrum kind of thing.
5: Yeah, yeah, and also what what forms evil takes, the cyclical nature of evil, the cyclical, cyclical nature of trauma, how we respond to it, how our culture builds these concepts, in in, and bakes them in and I think that that exploration it's the same roddenberry question just like how do we become better humans how do we take care of each other how do we take care of this planet how do we just get get better and 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 not be so yeah yeah
0: well allison thank you so very much for joining us and for helping us celebrate our 500th episode remember that we are in fact uh taking donations for the poor people's campaign to do just that to help us support one another and so thank you so very much for your time and and for your willingness to join us this morning uh we hope to see you again soon
5: yes thank you so much for having me happy 500 and yeah everybody open those pockets let's let's help some folks out
0: all right, captains. We are almost at the midway point here on our live stream and we are thrilled to be joined by Star Trek Picard's Evan Evagora. Evan, thank you so very much for joining us helping us celebrate our 500th episode and to help inspire people to donate to the Poor People's
6: Campaign. Thank you for having me, gents. It's uh it's a pleasure and an honor. So,
0: before we get started, uh you know, as we mentioned just a moment ago, we're raising funds for the Poor People's Campaign. We're almost a th- we're almost at $1000 now and and Rod Roddenberry said he'd match up to 3,000, which is amazing. Tell us why an organization like the Poor People's Campaign is important to you. You know, why should our listeners and our viewers consider donating?
6: I mean, with anything in any program and, and anything like that, um, whenever there's help needed and whenever people are able to deliver that and give that, I, I'm gladly put my hand up and, and, and I'm willing to you know, participate for something like that. Any, any causes like that, I mean if i'd say 2020 has taught us anything it's that people need help now more than ever and any time that we can kind of unite as a community and come together as people it's it's worth doing well,
0: thank you. Thank you for, for being willing to join us and, and to help inspire, you know, some people to donate and contribute. Uh, remember, captains, the links are going to be in our chat as we uh, as we live stream here. And uh, we hope that to see that number grow during the course of this interview. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead?
4: So uh, You're relatively we're going to call you a fresh face. You're fresh face to TV. I, yeah. You're 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 a relative newcomer. And here, your first big job is you're uh, in one of the biggest franchises of science fiction or television. TV ever. Your co-star is an actual knight and uh, also a star of multiple many beloved franchises. What's it like to be Evan Evagora when that happens? Give give, give us some some insight there.
6: I have to wake up and pinch myself every day uh, over how lucky I am, really. I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek. I also grew up watching X-Men. So Sir Patrick Stewart, SPS, P-Stew, whatever you want to call him, I like to call him the loveliest man on Earth. Uh, working with him and working across from him, and even just getting to know him, is an absolute. Just, it's pure, I'm just like the luckiest kid in the world, being able to live out my dreams. And I, like you said, it's my you know first big role and first um, you know major thing on on television or movies, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I'm just very very blessed. Um, yeah, I, that's
0: let's talk about your experience with the fans right not only are you thrust into this into you know this this great new career uh but you're thrust into you know one of the most well-known franchises in the history of humanity right what has your experience been with the fans what have you learned from the star trek community
6: uh so i started off you know on the the same side of the fences as everyone else being being a fan and being being amongst the fandom and, and the culture and you know, Star Trek isn't just the biggest franchise, like uh, sci-fi franchise, it bleeds through pop culture. I can't watch Mm -hmm. any movie, any popular movie or TV show without Star Trek being referenced. And in terms of the fans, they've been nothing but welcoming. I mean, after my first episode, which is, I've got to say, is my favorite episode now only because I just rewatched season one um, pretty recently. Uh, yeah, they've been nothing but welcoming and nice. And I mean, uh, I get a lot of elf, like com- comparisons to Lord of the Rings, Space um,
0: Legolas,
6: Space Legolas. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, but- I have a little,
4: i have a little confession. I have a little confession. I I used that I used that term in a slightly derogatory manner the first time <laughs> that we we talked about it. But I have to say. I, it, it kind of works it i really yeah. it's it, it it works doesn't it because it's that bleed through it's that archetype thing right you look at it and you go i know what that is i and i, and I recognize it and, it and it crosses over
6: so I yeah am, it, i'm an elf it, in space yeah, <laughs> yeah
4: and it, it, it absolutely works it, it,
6: uh, you know, oh, it it's it people- so fitting yeah. yeah i agree yeah um yeah and it, it may may have started off um as a derogatory you know call for a lot of people initially but um it's i've kind of grown to love it and it's you know, I hope it sticks around. I hope I, I you know, space Legolas for a very, very long time. Yeah,
0: Of course. Of I, I
4: have to say, though, with the bleed through, do you hope that your sword glows next season? I mean, do you need a lightsaber? Uh, maybe. I think you maybe might
6: need a, need a lightsaber. Yeah. I can't say much about season two, but yeah, hopefully I get to, Don't need uh, to. play with <laughs> a, a bit of different weaponry as well yeah more 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 tools to uh elnor's arsenal yeah so you all
0: right you, you said that you were rewatching season one recently is that because you kind of is it for research or is it because you still kind of geek out at the fact that you're doing such cool moves like you you know you're a space ninja like you know, know you're space you're, ninja you know like it's it's is it just cool i i would imagine that if i ever had the opportunity i'd be like i want to watch that scene again look at me kick ass wow
6: i 've got a bit of a confession to make. I actually haven't rewatched the season uh until uh, after it aired i because I, I watched it I think twice uh every episode when when it aired once to to get over the initial excitedness of everything <laughs> yeah. and then the rest to kind of just like watch it and see my performance and um, everyone else's performance and to just really kind of enjoy it. Uh so yeah I it was it was both it was a bit of business and pleasure there was a there was a mixture in there I'd say. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Now uh you know speaking of research you know going moving into this getting into the Star Trek franchise you know you mentioned earlier that you kind of grew up already in that in the geekdom right? Uh mm-hmm. did you have to do much more research to prepare to play a Romulan and and how how deep into the Star Trek mythos rabbit hole did you go?
6: i didn't have to dive that deep for my character anyway i mean we got sent uh a list of episodes old tng episodes voyager everything to kind of go back on and if, to to fill us in on any information that we either didn't know or may have missed out on but i'm very fortunate with elnor being a co-op malat because you know we kn- knew nothing about his th- that sect of people and we didn't really know much about, well, he doesn't even really know much about Romulan culture, um, you know, because he was so young when um, when he left the planet. So I was kind of blessed. If anything, I'd ha- actually say I'd had to forget or kind of disregard what I knew about Romulans because, you know, I mm. grew up watching, you know, like Nemesis and, you know, or just everything. It's just, he's so different to, you know, every, every other Romulan that, that's been on the screen. So I was kind of, it's nice to be able to show romulan culture and romulans from a different perspective and from a different standpoint i mean we're not view- we don't view him as you know this untrustworthy villain i mean he's part of the the heroes now which is great
0: right 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 yeah that's actually a really good point you know we've grown up as watch as we've watched the star trek franchise that the romulans are untrustworthy and yet here are the koat malat the most trustworthy beings in the universe that we know pretty much
6: yeah yeah i drew i drew a lot of comparisons to oh sorry for interrupting time no, Oh no 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 I, go ahead okay so I, I drew a lot of comparisons um between myself and uh wharf uh mm. in in terms of just uh, we're able to show a different perspective on a on a different species, and you know they're not not everyone's bad not everyone's evil, yeah.
4: So uh, one of the things, you know, the real deep dive stuff. Diane Duane wrote a series of novels back in the '80s, I guess, about about Romulan culture and, and that kind of stuff. And those novels kind of kind of do what you're talking about here: is that you know they're not a monolithic group; they're not all secret police people. Uh, there are there are some people that uh, you know, some Romulans that see things different ways. So uh, it must be, it, I'm sure, it, it was refreshing to play the good guy from the bad guys, uh, to, to be able to create that. I like your Worf reference too. Oh, that's a, that's that's an interesting perspective.
0: Now, Elnor really helps inject some levity into some of the scenes with with that kind of youthful innocence juxtaposed with very serious and and deliberate intent during high stakes moments. Talk to us about that juxtaposition. Was was it a fun challenge to balance between the two?
6: I mean, it was. It was a difficult thing initially because a lot of the things he says. It, he genuinely that's how he genuinely feels even though it may be somewhat of a comedic moment um even given the scene uh that he doesn't view it as that it's the the audience who views it as that so playing that kind of straight and not really playing up the humor as much was i'd say the biggest challenge but i mean if even having watched the the episodes recently where what he's saying in the scenes is that it needs to be said it's just um a hard way to, I mean, even pointing out Girardi and um, Rios's little encounter. You know, he was the first person to pick that up, and he he mentions it straight away. It's just those moments. I, I call them like golden moments because yeah. I, I feel like other characters wouldn't have been able to pull it off. Um, it's they're really written for for Elmore.
0: Right, right, right. And yeah. they 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 definitely elevated those scenes in such a in such a unique way, in such a very very unique way.
4: All the other characters are kind of older and they they seem to, they've got a lot of mileage on them right they, you know they've se- they've seen things man they've seen things uh, they definitely yeah. have. Yeah, El- Elnor's <laughs> uh, been
7: through
4: uh, it. F- yeah, yeah. And Elnor's a, a more of a fresh pair of eyes. Do you see that kind of parallel with with you as an actor too? You're surrounded by people who have been on screen for a lot of years and have done a lot of projects, and you are the fresh pair of eyes for this stuff. Is that is that playing so those things play most, off of each other?
6: Most definitely. Even the fact that uh Elnor grew up in in a sect of all female warrior nuns. I mean, I grew up in a household full of women got five sisters um and i'm the Mm -hmm. youngest so i'm very much the the most spoiled and and looked Mm -hmm. after but i yeah the more i read and the more um the more episodes that passed and the more understanding i grew of my character it was easy to kind of have these comparisons and these similarities and notice them a a lot more and you're definitely right you know i i it's elnor leaving varsity is very much like me coming over to la um in order to film this television series it's very much like a fish out of water kind of moment and it's either sink or swim and um you know it's i'm happy to say that both of us you know got through like for the better and you know we're better off having had those experiences
4: we uh w- there's a question i traditionally ask all, all of our actor guests and that's you know uh, you know, you as the actor brings something to the character and and we just you just answered that question thanks uh but uh but <laughs> there's also there's also that uh, it kind of comes back too right did, did did you take away something from elnor and, and and did he did he sort of change how you view things or do things
6: in, in the <laughs> real world I would say yes. Uh, he after after having done having filmed the first season, I found myself being able to not speak my mind more, but speak up more, and and to give my opinion and to show that my you know opinions and thoughts uh, have a bit more weight and and meaning. So I'd would say in in terms of. Giving me the courage to speak up sometimes when uh, otherwise I wouldn't have definitely. Mr.
0: You know, before we continue, I do I do want to pause and take a moment. Captains, we're at eight hundred and forty-five dollars now during our live stream, so please continue to donate, continue to contribute. Uh, Evan, if I'm not mistaken, you've agreed to do that personalized voicemail for one lucky winner.
6: I have. I have. All right, cool. Getting, so the, uh, o- the yeah. only
0: way that that unlocks is that if we hit $2,000, then we can unlock if that. We can
6: hit it, and we can hit that. We'll I know, it. I know, We I definitely know. can. We definitely can. Yes, absolutely. So,
0: so, and so thank you for that. Thank you for helping us uh, to incentivize these donations to the Poor People's Campaign. We really do appreciate it. Uh, no going back uh, to Picard, so you've, uh, one of the things that's uh, kind of a recurring story, like when you listen to the actors talk about their time on set, is that there is very much an atmosphere of family, you know, between the actors, between the creatives behind it tell us about that atmosphere in, in season one of picard and and were there any behind the scenes shenanigans that you know you reflect back on and smile
6: there are a few shenanigans i don't know if i'm allowed to talk about them um <laughs> we don't want to get some... in trouble and we want you to come back so <laughs> yes it's okay yes um but in terms of in terms of family yeah it it, it was almost instantaneous i mean i came i came into filming uh, you know, when everyone had already met each other and production was already underway, I was in the second block of of filming, and I was welcomed straight away. Everyone was just so nice and and open and and very like loving. Sounds cheesy, but but they were. And Jonathan Frakes was my first director uh that I got to have the pleasure of working with on the show and I would not choose anyone else really if if I could go back in time and choose another director whether that no matter who who it could be it would always be him because he was him and Patrick and Michelle and Santiago everyone really is just so you know we all communicate and converse with each other and we'd find ourselves all sitting around, you know, instead of everyone just kind of like heading to their trailers and and not being social with one another, it was the opposite. If anything, we, you know, doubled down on that and hung out with each other more and more and more. Um, That really solidified, I'd say, during San Diego Comic-Con. It was the first time all of us were in a room together, like the the complete cast and everything, and it was just a a magical day and it was a magical night, and that kind of solidified... What we call ourselves, the Motley Crew. I mean, Patrick described <laughs> our characters uh, that day as, as you know, this ragtag kind of team that's been put together, and that's very much us, and we're still that today.
0: I was, I was there. I was sitting in the audience for that uh, New York Comic Con event, and uh, I'm kind of curious, like. How were you feeling? like? So this is your was it your first Comic Con? And then not so just New York, if, and oh, if sorry, it was ahead, your sorry. first Comic Con, I mean, walking onto that the, that you know Madison Square Garden and walking onto the massive crowds of people cheering for a show that haven't hadn't even aired yet. I mean, what you know, what was that like for you?
6: Uh, if you go back and watch that, you'll see my legs are shaking a hundred miles an hour because I was just <laughs> so nervous. Um, and for the exact reasons that you said, uh, here I was walking onto this panel to speak about this show that hadn't even aired, uh, to talk about my character who I was, wasn't allowed to say a lot about. Um, so I was nervous for a bunch of reasons. One, the the sheer size of the crowd Two, the fact that it was Madison Square Garden and, um, I'd say three in case I blabbed something out and said something, you know, revealed something that wasn't well, meant you're to be revealed. <laughs> yeah.
0: <but laughs> it was nice while it lasted. Bye. Yeah, you had it here yeah. first. Yeah,
6: exa- exactly. You're going to die right. off screen
0: between
4: like, seasons. This was great having you. Yeah, exactly. All right, dude. Yeah. You,
0: you know, uh, something else that um, we've go
4: heard. Go,
6: go on. Go on.
0: You know, what, what, something else that we've heard. Um, before from from some other actors especially actors that kind of come on for maybe a, a, a one-time character or perhaps even young artists come on with Sir Patrick Stewart and other veterans Was there ever a scene or a moment that you needed you know just a little bit of guidance and were they there to help you and if, and if so how?
6: My first scene uh, yeah. on, on my first day of, of filming and it was Patrick who made me feel better I was mm. sweating. Uh, the, a lot of people don't know this, but there are a lot of lights on a on a fil- on a set when you film, and it gets very very warm on set, very hot. And my if, you know my outfit is not the most not uh, there's layers, uh,
0: not the breathable. Yeah, there's a lot kind of layers
6: under like on, in that <laughs> outfit, a lot of layers, and uh, that coupled with the nerves I was feeling about my, doing my first scene, and the fact that I was standing next to Patrick during that scene. Um, it just nearly well not got to me but uh you know the nerves were really there my heart was pounding and you know Patrick being the lovely person he, he is and you know the number one on the call sheet and a brilliant actor and just person approached me and um you know we got to talking and he was able to calm me down and ease my nerves and, and tension just like immediately and then I was you know ready to do the scene it was you know in those moments it's like you're you're in it and so you've you've got to mm-hmm. perform and if if you don't I mean you only get a few takes to to get it right. So yeah, he he was really um, he was really helpful with that. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, let's uh, tell us a little bit about the journey of the character itself in in season one. Were you were you already aware from the get go where Elnor was going to begin? What his middle was, what his end was, or was it kind of a progressive kind of thing?
6: It was it was very progressive. Uh, I even when I auditioned, uh, Elnor wasn't called Elnor. I think his name was K-Bar or or something like that. Um, Just they gave me a, a a different name and. I didn't know he'd be a, he wouldn't have an eyebrow ridge or, or anything, but I was given, once I was given that, the, the list of, of uh, episodes to watch, I was given my first script. And that's when I was able to read um, the brilliant work that Michael Shabin. And, uh, you know, Akiva Goldsman and everyone who's been working on, on the project had been doing and um, I fell in love with the character immediately. Uh, just his whole story, and, and to be honest, I actually thought this is probably one of the coolest entrances a character has ever had in in check or uh, i guess i'm biased when i say that but that, that's okay understand <laughs> pretty fair though it's yeah <laughs> understand but it's pretty it is pretty cool i'm not i'm not gonna lie um
0: <laughs> you take off and a then dude's re- head. i mean it's that's pretty yeah, you know that's yeah. it's a statement that's that's a grand entrance
6: it, it, it's a statement <laughs> it's a grand entrance i like that and a statement it's both it's everything um and then we we were given about two episodes ahead to read so I I only really knew what was happening with my character every every two episodes, and even when I got left on the the ball cube. Sorry if I'm spoiling anything for anyone it's who hasn't It's been a year. It's okay. okay. I know. Yeah. Um, even then, I, I I wanted to call up the writers and stuff and be like, "What's what's happening with him?" Because you know, I don't leave I had behind. just watched Game of, I had just watched Game of Thrones. Oh. Um, and I was like, you know, Ooh. people were getting killed off left, right and center. And I was like, could that happen to, to Elnor on the Cube? You know, what's going to happen? But, um, you know, I had trust in the writers and in the producers and the creators. And they, you know, well, they made me look even cooler. Every episode, I, you know, I, I love my character more. And, you know, I just wanted to see him do more. And, you know, hopefully this season that's um, currently in production, you know, everyone will be, happy with my character's journey and my character arc and and everything
0: did you uh did you get much of an uh opportunity to kind of you know offer some opinions or inject some of your own uh takes on the character were the writers open to that
6: i did make one request um and i'm not going to reveal whether it got it's been allowed or not i asked not to wear the wig so my my hair is not my hair in the show so um we were having a lot of trouble keeping the keeping it from from falling off. My hair was a lot shorter mm-hmm. um, two years ago. It, it sounds weird saying two years ago when it only came right. out last year. But yeah, two yeah. years ago yeah. when we when we filmed the first season, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just couldn't. The hair. It sounds like a bit of a prima donna kind of thing, but everyone on set uh, know, knows why I, I, I don't want a wig. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you've had the
4: pandemic. So yeah. This is the longest my hair's ever been. So you've you've had the pandemic to grow it out, right? <laughs> yeah. I see. We're yeah, getting right.
6: pretty close, I'd say. You and me, Tony. I think yeah, 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 yeah. You
4: know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your mine has way more gray in it, so that, that's the, that's the that difference. That just means you're
6: more distinguished. Yeah. More distinguished. Right.
4: What a diplomat, huh? This guy. L- 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 Silver L360. fox, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honey, honey. Space <laughs> Legolas says I'm distinguished. <laughs>
6: no, nothing, nothing. I and mean, it's got um, that recorded too, so. Right, well, right. I can, it I can play it back. I can play it back.
4: That is recorded. I can, I can play it back.
0: So how, uh, you know, what have you been up to since between seasons? Or now, you know, where? I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they they have announced that season two has started. Film. Let's not answer that. You you don't have to answer that. But. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it started filming. Uh, you know what? Uh, how have you been staying occupied? How have you been preparing?
6: I watched a lot of Tiger King during uh, my time off, uh, which I'm sure <laughs> most people did. Um, I spent a lot of time like reading and and writing. I stayed away from um from Star Trek. Actually, I I started watching Lower Decks recently oh, as nice. well. So that's that's my my new uh, my new favorite. I'd say my new favorite show. Um, oh my
0: goodness! You know what would be uh, awesome if if uh elnor swoops in kind of like family guy spider-man thing everybody gets one you just swoop <laughs> yeah. in save somebody and you're out
6: and that's it that's all that's all we
0: need everybody swoop gets in,
6: one behead someone and then just <laughs> yeah. just dip and just leave yeah that's actually not a bad idea i'll i'll, I'll, uh, I'll call alex kurtzman and um yes. I'll ask yeah him. pitch that to him what can you do yeah, yeah what well, can we do I, let's make this work are you yeah, enjoying but, lord I next mean, you're that, Oh yeah, I'm only on the third episode because uh, when Paramount Plus launched, that's when I was like, um, "All right, it's time to to get back into it and and, and start rewatching." They re-watching really Trek started. And, they
4: really started finding their legs around episode three, and then the rest of the arc even just gets better. I think you you're in answer. for a good ride. You're in for a good ride.
6: Good, because as soon as I got told, um, it's not similar to, but you know, the humor, the humor of. Um, another uh, sci-fi cartoon, Final Space, on, I believe, Netflix or Adult Swim. I'm not sure. I've been in Australia, so our streaming, um, what we get is right, it's different right. On, we, on, on, on we different know a guy platforms. from australia
4: we know how that goes yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah, there we go yeah, yeah. Um, we know how that goes wink wink yeah yeah <laughs> yeah wink wink exactly right wink wink. Um, yeah mm-hmm. we know how that works yeah i yep. gotcha yeah i gotcha
6: <laughs> um so yeah uh, i i did back home in australia we did uh, a major major lockdown so i spent i think it was like 200 days you know, like learning to make pasta and, and baking and, and everything like that, which was very, very fun. And then I flew back here um, to LA for another job, um, which we we just wrapped shooting as well and a video game, actually, um, which was very fun and very different to do. Very different to um, filming TV and, and, and movies. I was in you a low caps. Yeah, I can talk about that. So the game's called The Quarry. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a horror. It's a horror-based game. Uh, That's really all I'm allowed to say, I think. But it's it's amazing. It's got yeah, a good good range of actors, um, different age groups that we everyone knows. Uh, And I could I could or could not possibly be turning turning into a werewolf in the game. So Uh, we'll leave that question open then. Practice my howls. Yeah. Are, Ooh, you, yeah, are you are so you much that, of a gamer? Are you much a of a that. gamer at
0: all? Like we, uh, I, I asked because we were just talking to Alexander Sadig, who played uh, Doctor Bashir on Deep Space Nine, and he was telling us how in his uh, in his trailer he was like the only one with a modem and was able to play what was it, Ultima? What was it? What do you say? Ultima Ultima Online, yeah. So yeah. I, like, are you, are you much of a gamer? What you know? What did you do between scenes? You know, like to keep uh, keep yourself occupied.
6: I bought a Nintendo Switch, so <laughs> I like the old old like old school A. Bit games like the the Super Nintendo um, mm-hmm. kind of Mario Kart. I got really good at the at Mario Kart Deluxe A for a while. My my one of my lap times was um, first in Australia for like six weeks. So that was like my claim to hey. start. And I was like, yeah, I'm number one. And then. <laughs> Got, well, I've it. not been able to to do to do it since but yeah I left I left all my my I left my PlayStation back in back in Australia so I, I want to get that sent over so I can start playing Warzone again and you know Call of Duty and stuff so yeah I'm I'm somewhat of a gamer back in the day I'd say I was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was mm. kind of my jam you know I used to listen, love the soundtrack and play and just you know I'm from a big family too so any multiplayer games we we were pretty obsessed with Halo. We loved Crash Bandicoot. I just got the the remastered version too, so I think I'm on Walked in time. I'm not sure, I, I gotta remember. I'll probably have to play them all again anyway.
4: Just start over, it's best that way. Yeah, why it. not? Yeah, yeah just, exactly. just redo it, why not? <laughs>
0: Well, Evan, we're at the part of the show where we kind of leave it open to you. You know, is there any projects you're working on now other than the games that you mentioned and, you know, coming up to season two, anything that you want our audience to know about, learn about you, things that you would never got a chance to talk about and you'd love to share?
6: No, all I can say is the next season, um, I hope everyone is as excited as we we all are as the cast and the crew and everyone and um you know without it without a show like without its fans and without the fan the lovely fan base that we have i mean it's how many iterations of star trek are we into now you know this is a loyal fan base i just want to really say thank you to you to everyone because you know without you we wouldn't have this story and you know without you i wouldn't have a job So thank you so much. And that that comes from the bottom of my heart. And, you know, I'm able to, you know, live out a dream that I've I've always had and, um, you know, doing it for a show that I've always loved. So thank you.
0: Well, Evan, thank you so very much for spending your afternoon with us here on Priority One. Captains, we still have a little ways to go before we hit 2,000. So be sure to uh, please consider donating. We have our uh, Action Network link up there. And if you would like for Evan to read your outgoing voicemail uh, to welcome... your your calls with with incredible candor then be sure (laughs)
6: absolute absolute. absolute Absolute, Absolute candor.
0: candor. <laughs> be sure to uh, be, for, be sure to consider donating, please. Uh, Evan, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of Priority One and helping us celebrate our 500th. We hope to, that you'll come on again sometime uh, after season two, perhaps, and we can do a little recap on season two.
6: I definitely will. I'm more than happy to do that. And thank you for you know inviting me on your sh- on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Evan. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you.
0: Hi Captains, and we're back and joining us is the incomparable Issa Brionis. Issa, thank you so very much for joining us uh, to celebrate our 500th episode and to help incentivize our viewers to donate to the Poor People's Campaign.
8: Yes, thank you so much for having me. And yes, thank you also for supporting such a worthy cause.
0: Thank you. Now, now before we get started and we jump in talking about Picard and and your work on Star Trek, uh, tell us a little bit about why an organization like the Poor People's Campaign is important to you.
8: I think i mean you know there's a multitude of reasons but also i think as as you start to when you're kind of safe yourself in in a situation that is so turbulent for so many people you can really take a moment to be like what can i do to help someone else out there that is just like me but is struggling is 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 less fortunate and it maybe is losing people around them or or losing their homes because of, of the financial situation that we are in because of this pandemic and whatnot um You have to really take the time to be like, what can I do if I have that ability? Um, And so it's really, I think, touching that people feel drawn to. Donate to something so worthy uh, that can make a real difference for people.
0: Yeah, we we've actually just hit a uh, thousand twenty dollars. Amazing. And if we halfway and we our wow. goal our goal to unlock a personalized voicemail from you yes. is two thousand, and then you know it's one of our stretch goals that doesn't unlock until we hit two thousand. And on top of that, Rod Roddenberry has agreed to match up to three thousand dollars. So amazing. Yeah, we're really excited. You know, the um, the poor people's campaign is doing a lot of work on the boots on the around to make sure that you know these communities are uh, you know marginalized communities communities that may not have resources that some of us have to learn about for instance the vaccine you know how is the mm-hmm. vaccine going to affect you you know what questions might you have people who don't have the resources to look these things up they're there to help answer those questions uh, yeah. so we're really excited to have uh, to do this fundraiser for them it's our way of giving back we were talking a little bit before um before we went live um you know I, I, this podcast is much like community theater i run it much like community theater and everybody that works on the show is a volunteer with a passion for Trek. And it's, our, it's important for us to give back to that community. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of that. And thank you for helping us incentivize donations. So uh, so let's, uh, let's jump in. Um, yeah. Like so many Star Trek performers before you, you've got a strong background in, in theater. So tell us about your journey. You know, Perhaps even some of that method of, of crossing over into film. And was there something in your theater experience that helped you shift into the science fiction world.
8: That's a great question. Um and yeah, I do. I I think we all take a lot of pride in the fact that a lot of us come from theater, especially I mean, historically in many renditions of Star Trek, but also in just our cast, all of us started in theater, which is so exciting. Um I don't know. I think there's something there's something that draws um the theater community to sci-fi in a way, maybe because it is so heightened uh, as as mu- musical theater or theater in general tends to be. It- heightened circumstances, it's, it's so extreme, and that is how a lot of sci-fi can feel as well. Um, so I think there is that aspect to it, and truly, I mean, this is more of a specific uh, example, but something that really, I think, helped from my theater past going into Star Trek was uh, playing the multiple roles in um in last season, uh, which was so fun, and I think I just noticed some similarities with um, like switching from Soji to Sutra as um, I did when I was doing Hamilton and switching from Peggy to Mariah every night mm. and that's just in one night one three hour segment you are switching into completely different characters. Um, and so I think that really helped, especially with characters that feel so polar opposite, but in, mm-hmm. in really fun ways, especially, I don't know, for actors, it's fun to find the, um, the similarities that you have to any character, even ones that are maybe a little evil and maybe a little devious. Uh, <laughs> right. So that definitely helped to have had that kind of perspective of... Trying to learn more about Mariah Reynolds in Hamilton, who maybe has a bad rep, but actually she has a softer side to her, you know, that, it, that definitely um, informed how I was able to switch characters like that.
4: Does the android makeup help, too, putting
0: on an, a, um, another layer yeah, of skin? Yeah,
8: that's definitely, like, the locked-in part of it. It's like, right, okay, okay, now I'm her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: I I want to just geek out about theater. We don't have to talk. You know, forget Star Trek. When no, I yeah. I just talk. Check out. Yeah, I'll just to check out We're just talk You guys theater. just go. Just go. So all right, all right. If you if you uh, had an opportunity to play any role, uh, musical or play, uh, which one do you want? Which one Which one would you rather me ask first, musical or play? Let's do musical. How about musical?
8: Well, yeah, musical makes more sense. <laughs> all right.
0: So which what musical what musical role would you like to play? <sighs>
8: I dare you? This is the worst question. It's so hard. You ask all a,
4: the bad questions. I get all the good ones.
8: I'm such a theater geek. So, like, really, you could name any random character, and I'd be like, oh, I'd love to play that, too. Um, but, well, you know, growing up as a theater geek, you definitely love yourself some Wicked. So Elphaba is definitely Ooh. a thing that I sing in my shower, not in front of anyone else, because <laughs> that is some belty <laughs> <laughs> Stuff there, but Alphaba is definitely um, a, an iconic character I've always really loved. Um, but I also, a little lesser known, more of like my specific cult culty generation of musicals. Um, also, Heather's the Musical. Do love love Heather's the Musical and would love to play uh, Veronica Sawyer there.
0: Amazing. <laughs> so, do you gravitate more towards the newer generation of music theater, or or do you like the classics, you know, with Sondheim? Well, Sondheim's pretty... He's classic. I'm gonna keep him... A, a
8: yeah, one. I mean, he he kind of, like, rides that yeah. line. I'd say... I don't know. I mean, my parents raised me with, like, such a... such an intense love of... Of musical theater all around so i feel Mm -hmm. like i can't really choose one or the other but it is definitely exciting to see newer musicals obviously hamilton kind of changed the game and it's stuff like that that continues to like push our industry forward into like telling even deeper more important stories so i think there's definitely something to be said there for that and what makes it so exciting to do
0: right 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 all right, so I, I guess we'll have to we'll go back to Star Trek. We a got bit, the musical theater out of the way, right? I mean, yeah, he, <laughs> I, I will. I'm sure I'll think of something else as we have this yeah. conversation. Me, some other <laughs> We'll steer
8: it back. will it. will
4: happen. It just does.
0: <laughs> go ahead, Tony. Okay.
4: Uh, so uh, we've been uh, talking to some of your uh, to one of your other Picard co stars, uh, Evan Evagora, just recently, yeah. and he uh, shared a uh, Sir Pat Stew moment. Uh, you know, working with, like you said, uh, someone who's had a little experience in theater. Theater, like some whatever A, a little. <laughs>
8: okay
4: he's dabbled anyway uh but he, how, how he hasn't how, been
0: he, in hamilton that's exactly that's a good <laughs> point I, I
8: throw that in his face any chance i get
0: <laughs> oh shakespeare that's nice sure. i don't know if you've heard
4: of this hamilton thing that's been in some of the papers have you yeah uh, but you know he's having somebody w- w- like him around uh, to, and who's been there and made that transition himself. Was there a moment on set or in a particular scene that uh, he kind of went like, "Let me let me show you the path, young 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 Padawan. Let me show you how this goes."
8: You know, it's funny because questions like that often come up because I think we we often think about our iconic actors, our like legends in this field, and we think of them as like our mentors and our teachers. So they must be imparting wisdom constantly, dropping pearls of wisdom everywhere. We hope. We hope. Um, And of course those pearls of wisdom come out um, just because he is who he is and he has so much life within him that he can't help but have it spill out of him. Naturally, but um, but he's never he's never like preaching to us in any way. It's always just like you can just sit in your chair and watch him across the way, and you're learning as you just look at him because right. everything about him carries so much weight of of acting in general and this business and this character that he has created over these twenty something odd years um that people have fallen in love with and there is clearly a reason and and it's because like he and uh picard are just kind of one in the same now so there's there's no way of not learning everything you need to learn from just being with him and also he's just a great example in, in the perfect leader, too. And he is so humble that he would never call himself a leader. But that's what he is. He just naturally leads with such grace and with love and immediately welcomes you in to the family with open arms. And that is that is his way of imparting wisdom yeah, yeah. that's amazing so <laughs>
3: for your character um can you tell us about your the journey your character had in season one and did everyone know about your character arc or did you find out you know an
8: episode at a time um i think there were definitely some specifics that took some time to roll out um but definitely in the audition process i really had no idea What this character was, Um, because the description literally said, like, she's a young woman. (laughs) I was like, okay. Well, you got some room
4: to work. You got some room <laughs> exactly. to expand I was like, that.
8: Okay. Yeah. I think I've heard yeah, right. yeah. that description. Yeah. <laughs> um, but very like slowly started learning little tidbits of information of who she was uh, throughout the audition process. They were like, oh, well, you know, maybe play it this time like you're a robot. Why not? We're not saying that she's synthetic, but just like, try hey. it. <laughs>
4: yeah, spitball here. Give us Why your not? robot. Give us a Robot,
8: and they're like, you know, imagine that you're talking to this man in the scene like he's your father, which we're not saying he is, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) something like that. But, um, but yeah, stuff like that kind of slowly came out. But as we were filming, like the rest of the cast definitely didn't know a whole lot about my character, but they did know that I was supposed to be synthetic. And I just remember our first Comic Con, our San Diego Comic Con, they were like prepping us for the big panel. And they gave us this like big pamphlet of stuff we should talk about, stuff we shouldn't talk about. Obviously the stuff we should talk about is like two sentences and then the <laughs> stuff we shouldn't talk about yeah. is like paragraph. <laughs> um but everyone has their own things specific to their characters. But the one thing that it said, like for everyone, don't talk about because <laughs> okay. it's like no one's allowed to know about Issa.
4: She is the young woman.
8: Yes, she's a <laughs> young it. woman yeah. going yeah. through something. <laughs> yeah. But um, but definitely, yeah, The it was a, it was a slow burn there, um, which was actually, I think, really cool because that's really how she, the character, is learning about herself. She doesn't know any of this stuff about herself. So it kind of helped me to just be on that parallel journey of being like, I don't really know anything about her because she doesn't know anything about her. So that's cool to be on this same journey with her and kind of just, you know, requires very little acting when you're just as in the dark as the character is. <laughs> it came naturally,
4: you know, you know they, 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 yeah. they you know. <laughs>
0: Issa, I, I kind of want you to think back to 2019. You know, you mentioned Comic- uh, San Diego Comic-Con and then New York Comic-Con. I was sitting in the audience at Madison Square Garden when you all came out, and the show hadn't even come out yet, but the yeah. crowd was electric. What do you remember about that? And, and, and to spin off that question, what's your experience been like now with the Star Trek community as a whole?
8: Um, yeah the the beginning process I think just kind of hit us all at once like with just a wall of, of excitement and love thankfully I mean that's that was the first thing we learned about um, at least for someone coming into the Star Trek franchise brand new that was the first thing I learned about it was just that it's a community of really loving people who just care so much about these stories and about these characters characters they haven't even <laughs> (laughs) seen yet yet they already know that they love them and they must protect them at all costs so um so that was really heartwarming first off I think it's also any actor's dream to know that what the the art that you're making is going to be met with instant love (laughs) that's not something you can say for a lot of a lot of um, roles that you get Um, so that was definitely um, a really beautiful entrance into the world and now that we've kind of sat in it for a while and we've also gone through some really crazy times this past year and you know feeling kind of distant from it since we you know filming has been paused and we you feel a little bit disconnected from everything we were not with each other but we still feel the love so much in just like the online community of, of, Trekkers who who continue to love it even when there's not new stuff coming out. They they they're of course sitting there being like, when will season two come out? And we're like, we wish we could give it to you. It's right, just not right. filmed yet. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, but that love really never stops, which is really amazing.
0: All right, now I, w- I want to pause for a second here because uh, we are nine hundred and sixty dollars away from our goal, and remember, Rod will match up to three thousand dollars as he said. And if we break 2000, you could very well have a personalized outgoing voicemail from Isa. So make sure to donate. And if you haven't already started to uh, share this broadcast, make sure to share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are right now uh you know so your character is is a bit unique because you are data's daughter the character is data's daughter in 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 many respects right in literal respects and so because of that the character carries a lot of weight to it right you are now a part of this massive franchise i'm kind of curious if if somebody like sir patrick stewart or jonathan Frakes or even brent spiner kind of pulled you aside and said all right listen what you just got yourself into is X, Y, and Z. And here's how you should prepare yourself.
8: <laughs> well, I mean, mainly the, the, any, any kind of warnings or preparation we got from, from you know, the OG cast was mainly just about prepping us for the world of, of the fans and for just really what I was just talking about, just like how much love we're going to receive and just being like, get ready for the, ima- the family that you just got. You just got a whole family.
4: We're kind um, of a bit much, to, to be honest.
8: <laughs> you guys I mean, are a lot. <laughs> we're a lot.
4: That's we'll be frank about that. But it's that.
8: amazing, and that was really true. Like I, I remember M- Marina and Jonathan saying, "Like you just got a whole world of a family, and this is for them. Like that's that's all you have to keep in mind is that this is for them." Um, but I will say you know about the weight of being data's daughter i mean i didn't even no one really told me that no one really like pulled me aside and said like by the way i was just like <laughs> reading a script <laughs> i was just reading a script and then i was like oh shit i think i'm his daughter
4: <laughs> speaking of finding out who you are and being exactly. surprised by it you know.
8: I was like I feel like someone should have tell me this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there was
4: a memo somewhere, right? That I yeah. missed it? Yeah, right.
8: <laughs> and, and I immediately, you know, started um, going back and watching a bunch of um, uh, Next Generation episodes, ones that, like, I saw were, were really focused on data just because I was like, I need to soak up every inch of his history and everything. And that's when I started to get really excited because I was like, oh, my God, already... I love this journey that he's having, and now I get to continue that as a slightly more advanced version of him, um, and in completely different circumstances, in a very different um, universe, in a very different time for uh, for the Federation. Um, but I also got really nervous, <laughs> because, sure. you yeah. know, Brent Spiner is, is Brent Spiner. <laughs> <laughs> and when they said in the script, uh, you know, they added in, they sprinkled in little uh, moments of uh, uh, the data head tilt um, to show that like familial resemblance. Um, mm. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, my God, the the, the online community is going to tear me apart. I have to foreshadow. <laughs> if if yeah. I do this wrong, they're going to tear me <laughs> apart.
1: <laughs>
8: but,
4: We're a um, bit much. We're a bit like, much. We but it are. was
8: it was received really well though. I mean, it made it was definitely that sigh of relief when people when uh, the first episode where that happened came out and people were like, "Oh my God, she's Dana's daughter! Like she did the head tilt," and I was like, "Yes, I did it." You, you pulled it we off. You,
4: you you hit it, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. people saw That's it. So the foreshadowing worked. That
8: was, you know, spe- that was really exciting.
0: Speaking of Brent Spiner, I mean, he has a very you know strong music theater background. Uh, yeah. Did you get a chance to talk about your favorite musicals? You know, things that uh, you know very. <laughs> kind of geek it. out about theater.
8: You did it, I brought it back. it back, I brought it back. <laughs> um, well, it's funny, we didn't get to work together that much. Mm-hmm. And, as you know from, I mean, I was mainly I think... on the I... board cube and then I was with the rest of the crew, but really I only right. worked with Brent in like the last two episodes. And um, and that was a very specific time of filming because we were in this very weird location that was supposed to be Capella's. Um, hint, it was Malibu, um, <laughs> but but we were there and and all like kind of stuck in this little room. And also another big theater nerd uh, is Allison Pill, who uh, I know you've uh, had the pleasure of getting yeah. a
2: yep.
8: message from. Um, but she uh, she and I we talk a lot about our theater geekness uh, and we often break into show tunes um, (laughs) and there was definitely a moment and there's definitely video proof somewhere uh, that I will bury but um, there is video proof of us breaking into Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamco Ooh. Um, singing Potiphar. Okay. Why, not do you just admit,
4: why do you admit to, it, to its existence and then say, oh, wait, I have to go find it and kill it? No, that, no, that's don't do that. People are going to look for it now.
8: I know. Oh, that's but, a bad move.
4: Oh, it's so but bad. But it was
8: not just singing. It was, it was like impromptu uh, choreography and everything, and it's well, now now in this little it. room doing this impromptu performance and Brent Spiner is in the back just like so confused (laughs) and just watching (laughs) us like who are these crazy kids
0: (laughs) you know it's the 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 persona that he puts out we don't know him personally I you know it's only what he puts out right to the public I get the sense that he would be the kind of person to to walk up to you and then quietly whisper I hate them." like that kind of stuff like something like that like i feel like that's what he would do
8: he's very he's he's so funny and he's very his comedy is very um shocking because you know mm-hmm. he's funny but he's very quiet and then he just whips out a zinger and then you're all on the floor <laughs> laughing um but i definitely i was i was really just kind of starstruck meeting him. The first time I met him was at a was at the photo shoot for like yeah. the press images, and he was in full data make makeup, and I was just like, this can't be happening. Like I can't believe I'm I'm meeting him as data right now. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
8: and I just remember him asking me about my character and like asking me advice or like he was asking me what my thoughts were on on my arc and our arc and our connection and i was like you want me to tell you (laughs) (laughs) but that really speaks to just how amazing he is and how like really down to earth i mean the whole og cast is i think they all just treat you like you've been their friend forever which is amazing
0: (laughs) right 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 I'm su- I'm surprised you guys didn't talk. You know, he did 1776. You did Hamilton. Y'all could have, you know, you know, had that conversation. I haven't seen. I was seen just his sem-
8: watching his. I was watching the um, Tony performance of Sunday in the Park with George.
0: Oh yeah. My yeah. dad
8: put it on, and I was like, "That's Brent." Yeah. <laughs> That's <yeah>. Brent. <Brandt." laughs> with his little parasol.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, look, you guys should do an album because you released the oh, song. You're God. right. You sang Blue Skies for hey. one of the promotions of, uh, and it was a phenomenal performance. You guys should do an album. That's what it should be an album, yeah. Brent. Uh... And, and, the, thing thing re- yeah, and, and <laughs>
4: the thing about
0: that call him up. and the thing about the
4: recording is you can tell it's you. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, you know, you, you've you're, you've got a lot of speaking, obviously speaking parts throughout the throughout the uh, the show, but you're you, it it you know it's you when that song comes mm-hmm. on, which isn't always right. the case with with singing and and, and speaking.
8: Well, I'm uh, glad yeah. that you knew that because my grandparents didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, black? you get older
4: and that that upper register starts to go, and crowded rooms, you can't hear anybody. I mean, it it, it it's it's okay. It's
8: She was like, that that rendition of Blue Skies is really pretty. Who's saying that? I'm like, it's me, Uh, Nana. Me. You and Brent could do duets. That hey! Would be amazing. Yeah, I mean his album. What
4: was that album?
2: The um, Old Yellow Eyes. Old Yellow Old Eyes.
8: Yeah. <laughs> we could. Well, then he had followed sequel. that up with.
0: Uh, yeah. With I was gonna say, Elio
4: has all of his albums. All yeah, the albums, albums he uh, has. Yeah. Because he's, he's,
0: you know, here's the thing. Growing up, I you know, I was watching Star Trek, and I didn't. Re- I. It was young and dumb, but what I what I pulled from TNG was when when Brent or uh, Gates McFadden were, were pulled into flexing their theatrical muscle, right? <laughs> Whether it was the dancing or whatnot and I fell in love with that and I said to myself I want to do that mm-hmm. and so you know I have I I I I think I even told this to Brent once as like when he was signing an autograph I was like sir you inspired me to go and get my undergrad in theater and he's like alright kid yeah here you go here's your signature though. <laughs> um, but you know it's it's there is a, there much of the mythos of Star Trek and these characters that are built are built with a foundation of of theatrical actors right and it's very important you know right now the the theater's, you know, Broadway's been dark for a year. It's incredible. It's unheard of, you know? And I have friends, I'm sure you do too, that, you know, yourself, you know, uh, unable to work because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and there's an importance. It's a, there's an importance to making sure that we can get back on our feet safely and healthily so that we can bring back the art. It's not just, yeah, it's entertaining, but it's art.
8: It's what we all turn to in mm-hmm. our scariest times. I mean, throughout like the height of quarantine, we were all on the couch watching Netflix and yeah. listening to our favorite music and just trying to, to find solace in, in these really unprecedented times. And it was always through artists. And yeah. that's why, um, you know, organizations like the one that we, you're supporting today are, are really needed for yeah. everyone affected.
4: <laughs> so I'm going to pull it back to Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> Leo, is, that, yeah. is that okay, Elio? <laughs> Leo, is that <laughs> right bye, <laughs> Elio, is that okay? All right. <laughs> So, so typically at some point at some point in these interviews, I like to ask uh, the the actor, you know, how much of you did you bring to your character, and I'll let you just pick which one you want to talk about because you got like a handful. You just you just you just pick the one. You can even do two if you want. It's, it's okay. But well, what 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 yeah. of what if what of you did you bring to that, and then what did you take home after after you got done? What did what did th- that character or characters uh, uh, leave with you that you took off the set?
8: Well, I think it's impossible to not. Not bring yourself a young to woman any, who's going any, through things <laughs> exactly <laughs> well but it's impossible to not bring yourself into any character you encounter um, because also that's why you got hired too sure. oftentimes is because of that thing that you bring to it um, so no matter what you're always going to add that little spice of you and it's definitely impossible not to take something home and I think for me what was really exciting you know this was really my first big TV or film thing and I mean before this I had done like a few guest stars when I was younger but really I was coming right from the thick of theater and really out of practice with anything to do with on camera stuff. And so I was really nervous going into this. Um, and also anything of this scale too, and and being face to face with Sir Patrick Stewart. And that was my first day of filming. My first day of filming was the scene where I go to him at the vineyard, and I'm like, do you know who I am? And I'm crying and bleeding. and which as you can probably imagine is a lot
4: <laughs> that's that <laughs> bigness from theater from theater right you're just going you're hit, you're hitting the gas at like, 100 miles right. an hour yeah we're yeah. doing this yeah
8: and that was very scary and and you know challenging um but it really helped to be playing a character who was going through the same kind of heightened nervousness and and fear of of the unknown not knowing what the heck they're doing and and how to go forward and also you know she's being confronted by this or or confronting this legend um Jean luc Picard everyone knows who he is he is this this icon and that that was very much not different for me it, it, having to like be yelling at Sir Patrick Stewart you know um so I think it really helped to have those <laughs> What? it's every
4: it's every fan's dream. Oh my god, I'm meeting you. What is yeah. going on? Yeah, and you were able <laughs> exactly. to just do that. Yeah.
8: <laughs> and and I just yeah, I'm thankful every day that I got to kind of live parallel lives with all of these characters and with Soji basically learning who she is and you know I'm I'm I was 20 when I booked this and I'm 22 now but I was I you know young woman going through things and moving back to LA moving into her first place by herself and it, it's really amazing I think also as a young woman to be able to examine that part of yourself and all of those fears and all of that unknown through kind of the eyes of someone else who is still very much you though. Um, and so that was really cool. And then encountering Sutra was also very fun because at that point I had I had like found Soji and I was like, all right, cool. She and I were, were like, we're the same, you and me. Um, <laughs> but, but then finally feeling like comfortable in that, then I got to really play with Sutra and, and. Gotta be the bad I guy. Explo- and explore how you bring yourself to that too. Like, you know, we don't, we like to all think of ourselves as the hero in our own story and, and we all are in our own right, but it is fun to explore like, ooh, this evil side of me or this like devious side of me. That's really fun as well. And very much a part in informing you as a person. So it's very cool to explore these like very extreme characters who all together kind of form this very complete portrait of a uh, woman.
4: Good answer. That was good. Thank that you. Good. <laughs> I, we asked that question a lot, and that was a that was a good answer.
8: Thank you.
3: <laughs> I really enjoyed Soji's uh, journey with Narek on the you know on the ship you know with Jonathan mm-hmm. Del Arco with Hugh. I loved mm-hmm. that whole. Arc and you know because nerick wasn't the the best guy and you know you feel bad for poor Soji. Yeah, woof! Toxic relationship alert. My yeah, because. Yeah, woman, going through stuff. I, you know, a lot of people could relate to
8: that. <laughs> I'm Did, sure I was. Ta- I was in. I was on an interview with someone once, and she was like, "She's like, so Merrick is an asshole," <laughs> and I was like, "We all have an Eric, don't we?" <laughs> yes.
4: Did, oh, your yeah. mom not talk to you about the Romulans? Did you not get the Romulan talk? Yeah, exactly. No? no. All right. Well, you know.
8: <laughs> but yeah, that was that was um again, that's another th- th- another thing to add to that experience of what it's like to be a young woman figuring out yourself like and the other thing that was exciting too was at the beginning of filming, I was so immersed in Dodge who was just like crisis and trauma 24/7, <laughs> like right. constantly being hunted and always bleeding and hurt or dying. Um Which was very cool, but it was really a nice breath of fresh air to then switch to Soji and be like, okay, I get to just be this kick-ass woman who has a really important job um, in a place that's kind of, you know, she's kind of conflicted about but, you know, she's doing any good that she can as as this really empathetic person trying to help people um, and then also going through falling in love with someone and going through betrayal, going through questioning who she is. That's such a universal journey, not just for young women, for young people everywhere, for anyone, you know. Um, so that was really cool to explore that all the while on a borg cube.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, before we let you go, uh, you know, I know that projects have been slow to a crawl, but is there something that you know, you've kind of been working on or are eager to start working on that's not specifically Star Trek related? And how can people follow you? How can people follow your work and, and your projects?
8: Um, well, you know, the only thing that I can actually talk about right now is just, you know, I'm I, in quarantine. I went fully into the hobbies mode of like, let me distract myself with things. <laughs> and yeah. I went fully into making art and um, making resin things and make it. I was just, I got oh, real wow. crafty. Um, so I do have uh, a little art Instagram if you want to follow it's called at ISA is not an artist but yeah exactly but. But yeah, I mean, but the the only other thing I can talk about is just, you know, can't wait for season two to be out and about. And for people to finally see where, where this ragtag group of misfits goes in space.
0: <laughs> and, uh, oh, one second here. Um... And uh, sorry, I got distracted here with uh, the technical side of things. (laughs) So, okay, we we know you can't talk too much about season two, but again, we'd be remiss if if we didn't ask something. You know, is there anything you can say about what we can expect in season two?
8: Another no comment is fine. (laughs) No
4: comment is fine. We understand it's not our first rodeo.
8: Yeah, there's nothing I can say, but you know, I think uh, the audience will just be excited to see a new journey for these very new characters and also new sides of all of these new characters.
3: Production has started though, right? Are you allowed to say
8: that? I mean, I think that's out. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, you, something's happening there, right? Yeah. Thankfully, something is happening.
4: They, yeah, it's it's moving, however slowly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
8: You know, we're right. we're making it through. We're we're trial and error here. You know, it's very new for everyone in this business, obviously. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah can't imagine.
0: <laughs> well, Isa, thank you so very much for joining us on our 500th episode of our podcast here, and to help us raise funds for the poor people campaign we hope that you enjoyed your time with us and that perhaps someday in the future you'll come back and, and share more stories with us and we can talk more music theater uh, yes later please. Down the road.
8: thank you so much maybe one day when i can talk more about season two <laughs> yes
0: yes yes
8: we'll come that back that'd be great
4: after after it's yes. all done absolutely well thank, thank you. you take guys. care
8: thank you
4: thank you Bye. thanks space
6: astronomy quantum mechanics
7: it's not
0: theoretical it's not
9: hypothetical it's real
6: education astrometrics
0: the final
4: frontier Oh, my God. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us through the little break there. Um, we have our astrometrics report with our, uh, our, our, our usual suspect, uh, Dr. Robert Hurt, and who and he's brought along a guest today, uh, Whitney Clavin, uh, who uh, was, at the, as uh, Elio introduced you earlier, uh, a, a, the, uh, a former public relations uh, person with uh, JPL, NASA JPL. Yes. That right? Well, s- okay. science
1: writer, media rep, there's many titles. And now I work at I still work with Robert at Caltech and uh-huh. in a
4: similar role. Well, well, thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. I am just going to be here just to like you know provide uh, banter and color because I don't know much about stars and astronomy and things. So okay. I'm going to let you guys kind of handle that. Uh, but I might I might ask uh, uh, dumb questions from time to time uh, to 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 uh, to you know,
9: um, do my thing, please, which is dumb please questions. do because you know as as we are fond in saying in education, if you have to ask the question, then it may not be dumb. It might not be, but. Let's, let's let's go be. with the percentages here. <laughs> Assume that it might <laughs> be. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, th- thanks for joining us both of you. And please, uh, please take it away, Robert. Sure. Well, uh, you know, I am just delighted to actually be here, first of all, to help celebrate the 500th podcast episode of Priority One, a show that I've been listening to probably since around episode 10. And it's been a real joy for the last few years to be able to provide uh, science astrometrics reports. But today, I actually wanted to bring in uh, uh, my friend, Whitney Clavin, here to uh, talk and riff a little bit about science storytelling and uh, sort of the inspirations that S- uh, Star Trek draws from science, but then the inspirations that science draws from Star Trek. So let me just throw it over to Whitney and why don't you just you know introduce and tell us about yourself and a little bit of your science story and a little bit of your Star Trek story
1: yeah so um as we talked about i'm a science writer press information officer worked at jpl for 13 years with robert and now i have a similar job at caltech where i still cover astronomy but i also cover quantum physics and other cool stuff like that and i still get to work with robert and i force my office to work with robert all the time it's very exciting, because it's, it's a little bit of a different role. And they love it. They love it. But I, I think you, of those, hard. these visualizations. It's, yeah, I sneak, in, sneak him into our work. And um, anyway, but my Star Trek story is like I'm more of a late bloomer. Um, you know, I started watching Next Generation. That's my first love in college after I was a biochemistry major. So I was already into science and I was into math and biochemistry, and I worked in a lab. And then ultimately, I got a degree in science journalism. And it was around those times that i started watching star trek and then i met my now husband mike and he really got me into star trek and um and then i got so into picard and next generation that i, I had like five picard dolls as i called them around the house and mike my husband would just be like action They're not figures yeah, yeah they are right. not dolls <laughs> and he would say that he created a monster as you can see and i also like dressing it, out but it's, it's good um, yeah yeah thanks well these um Anyway, um, so that's basically my story. If, if Robert, why don't you tell us about your science and Star Trek story?
9: Sure. Well, you know, I was I was an early bloomer because literally some of my earliest memories are watching the original series <clears throat> as they were broadcast. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to admit <laughs> that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, they really are. And, and I think the uh, uh, Star Trek very much shaped a lot of my interest as a child in science and is uh, largely responsible for me, I think, becoming an astronomer, uh, a profession I tried to avoid for many, many years until I finally gave up and just realized if I'm going to go to grad school. I was trying to be very practical in my career choices, and I finally gave up and said, I'm going to inv- devote all of this effort to a graduate degree. I might as well do it for something I actually love, and um, so ended up in, in astronomy almost despite myself. But uh, that, for me, is one of these, these recurring themes I see in my peers in the field, because so many people I know who are in astronomy or in other fields of science really grew up being inspired by Star Trek and by other science fiction. It's like that's sort of the thing that opened the window for their, their interest even if the show might not be super, say, technically correct in the way they portray the science. That's why I kind of wanted to hit this topic of this sort of mutual directions of, of uh, inspiration, both you know, both directions for how we tell science stories and how Star Trek tells science fiction stories, and the two kind of inform each other.
4: Well, because that's kind of science, isn't it? It's like you, you come across something and you think, that's not quite right. Why is that not quite right? And then you ask questions and do experiments to figure out exactly why it's not right and what might be right or or more correct
9: or more accurate. So starting off from a place that's wrong isn't necessarily bad. No, absolutely True. not. And uh, and then if we just want to kind of dive into some sort of examples, I guess I could toss out... Um One of my great uh, triumphs in my job uh, working for NASA's Spitzer Space Telescope and in terms of sort of mutual inspiration was for um, around the time of Star Trek's 50th anniversary, I was working on uh, an image release for another science result. I was looking down the corner and I saw, gee, that nebula looks a lot like the Enterprise D. Okay, let's kind of (laughs) crop that just out of the frame and let's save that piece for uh, next month. And we were able to release a picture of the Enterprise Nebula. Uh, In fact, not only did I see one. one nebula that looked like the Enterprise D with a little bit of sketching I could actually make the other part next to it look a little bit like the uh, original Enterprise as well the uh, uh, Kirk's Enterprise and so you know right at the uh, 50th anniversary of Star Trek NASA released the Enterprise Nebula and uh, you know it actually got a lot of buzz on social media
1: I mean in how we're many people we can put actually the, a link... oh I'm sorry we're going to
9: yeah. put a link to that very picture that same picture actually I might be
4: able to do it I was asking link... no, the... Leonard to
1: do it I did put the link in the chat
4: yeah yeah see, let's See if maybe I can. well, it's not letting me do it. But hopefully we can get that. We'll we'll get that out there. Hopefully Lennon, if you can <laughs> throw that out there in the chat, it's not letting me do it on on my end. So we'll, we'll if not we'll have this. We'll make these pictures available at some point. But I do remember that actually, Robert, the the picture that it, it's you know it, it looks like the Enterprise D from our perspective in space.
9: It, it looks like uh, uh, the heavens are cooperating with the uh, with Paramount Studios. But, to, but I, think to some, I, I think Whitney has some. I think Whitney also has some examples though about how uh, like this. This idea of uh, both scientists geeking out and and people involved with Star Trek kind of mutually geek out over each other. I think you've had some kind of cool personal encounters in that area, haven't you?
1: Well, I have, and but also related to that, I wanted to talk about you geeking out. And another related story, which is one of my favorites, and it's basically you know Tim and his partner, I mean Robert and his partner Tim Pyle, that do a lot of the graphics, decided to do a little sneaky thing in one of our images, and we'll we'll have a link for that too. And one day before the image went out, they said, uh, Whitney, so um, can you see something in that picture in the lower corner? And I was like, no, no, what? And then they zoomed in and basically they had snuck in a Babylon 5 shadow ship into the NASA image. <laughs> and well, I Are you had, trying to get the conspiracy people out here? Come yeah.
4: on. One of these. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're begging for trouble. It has a great and silhouette, I'll, you got to admit. It's,
2: <laughs> it
1: did, and it I does. was like, what? Yeah. Like, please pretend please you didn't tell me that. Like, NASA headquarters <laughs> is going to freak out. We can't have <laughs> secret pictures of spaceships. <laughs>
9: Well, it's and because so the, the like, system it was the star system in the press release was Epsilon Eridani, which in Babylon five was the home of the Babylon five station. So, you know, it was it was kind of spot on to the message. And we even mentioned Babylon five in the press release when we were talking about the pop culture references to that system, which is something that, that Whitney actually loves to do, I think, is you know, when when uh something in science has a direct tie to a pop culture, you know, it's really fun to actually integrate that into the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah the, I mean one of our biggest hits too was Star Wars one about triple sunsets. That that was a big one, oh, and we actually got the yeah. rights to use the Star Wars imagery of Luke. Actually, John Knoll and- participated
9: in that press conference. Oh, that's right. Know, when we did the one that we, when you actually had the, the one that actually had the double sunset and who's John system. Null? Oh, uh, John Knoll is the um, he's actually one of the co creators of the Photoshop application way back in the day, and one of the visual effects supervisors in Star Wars. In fact, he was one of the co writers and producers of Rogue One. So, oh, you know, very big nice. Uber Star Wars geek. He actually. Participated in the press conference, and to be honest, weirdly, I think he almost did a better job of explaining the science than the scientists did.
4: <laughs> Which <laughs> well, you know, maybe was he, maybe you he was there, <laughs> maybe he was able to dumb it down for the rest of us. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, that, that, that might have been what was going on there,
9: yeah. But, but my role, Whitney. I'd love to get to some of your stories though, because you know, you've certainly had a chance to meet some of the, the cast and sort of see what how they react to the science side of things.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's true that while science fiction gets people excited about science, the scientists completely geek out about Star Trek. And we've, you know, luckily, when I worked at JPL, I got to meet all sorts of Star Trek stars, of course, the biggest being William Shatner, who came to do some sort of promo thing in our mission control room. And so, of course, all the scientists were just like gathered around and people and we were told like, do not, you know, bother Mr. Shatner. Of course, people were sneaking around the back of the building, like trying to get a look. And and then I got to be the media escort. And so I got to talk to him. And, of course, my face was like this the whole time. And he You'd be just wanted to talk about... covered
9: with a prosthetic and...
1: Uh... Yeah. Well, that would be really embarrassing. No, no. I was
9: very... You can't bring that to work. You can't do
1: that to yeah. work. Come on. Well, you can on Halloween. And I do on Halloween.
4: <laughs> okay. Right, right.
1: But, um... Anyway, and he just wanted to talk about the science, so he was just sitting there asking questions about dark matter and dark energy and the universe expanding, and I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, like, it's Captain Kirk, (laughs) and so it was just sort of like mutual geeking out going on. Yeah. And then we also had Brent Spiner there. And then I got to go on the set of Enterprise and sit in the captain's chair. And so it's nice. And I am so
9: jealous. She did not tell me she was doing that. And then she walks back with like this photo of her sitting in Archer's chair. I'm like, how dare you? How dare you? That Mm -hmm. one was
4: was from the Porsche, too. That was a nice chair. That was was taken from a Porsche. So it was was probably comfy. so I was super jealous, probably.
1: Well, I think it was.
9: I can forgive her for that one because, uh, some years before that, I actually had a chance to tour the Voyager sets. Uh, it was sort of a thank you for the, um, uh, having helped out with a planet fest event, uh, that, um, Andre Romanis was organizing. So he brought us on a tour of the Voyager sets. And while we were there, we got a chance to hang out with the art department of uh, Mike Akuda and Rick Sternback. And, and this is right before the seventh season of Voyager. And they were excitedly explaining how in this season, Voyager was going to be flying very close to the Galactic Center on their route back home. And I happened to work on a project at that point called the Two Micron All Sky Survey that happened to have a really nice image in the infrared of what the Galactic Center looks like, showing the stuff that you can't see in visible light. And I said, well, you know, if you you're interested. And they were like, You really? You have a great picture? Oh, please. So I actually brought them, you know, and this was the day I brought it on a CD ROM because <laughs> you know, you couldn't transfer a fifty no. megabyte file over email like a uh, Dark Ages. Nope, nope. And um I was really proud to see that for almost the entire seventh season of Voyager, our our two mass image was prominently featured on one of Seven of Nine's astrometric screens. And, oh, and, you cool. know, and again, it was so cool. Like I was I was there just, just eating up every little bit they were talking about the art design, but as soon as as I mentioned, like, oh, we have real data, they're like, oh, yeah, we really, really want to use it. Please bring it in. And so <laughs> I, I, I love how that dynamic, that, uh, to, that thrill of how we tell our respective stories is, is really uh, uh, bi-directional. But for that, let me throw back to Whitney again, and let's talk about. It. You are a science storyteller. You know, it's your job to actually be able to explain a science story in a way that anyone else is going to care to read. Uh, you know, what? How do you approach that? I mean, clearly, you put absolutely no uh, emotion or human interest. You you just stick to the facts, and you just tell a, a, a simple factual story, right? That's is that mm-hmm. how you work?
1: Well, yes. Yeah, sometimes skeptical. it turns out that way. <laughs> But... But yeah, no, we try to get the emotion in, and I mean, the, because it's, it, it, science can seem very dry, but there is an, a lot of behind-the-scenes emotion that we try to get into our stories, but it can be difficult. And one of my favorite stories about emotion is about Robert crying, because Robert <laughs> himself actually gets very emotional about Star Trek <laughs> and science, both of them. And so... I believe he, he just gets this look in his eyes, where his eyes just tear up a little, and he just... <sighs> But um, anyway, the the biggest, my favorite Robert Cryn story is when um, we found out, you know, ahead of time that LIGO, the which you may have heard of, had finally detected gravitational waves. You know, made the first direct detection. This is something they started thinking about working on fifty years prior. It's a huge accomplishment. It ended up winning the Nobel Prize. And I was told, and this is when I worked at JPL, even though it was a Caltech project, that I was gonna get to be the like press person organizing the press conference. And so I you know, I was really excited, but and I knew what gravitational waves were. But I wasn't like, you know, I didn't know as much as other people. So then they were you know, and then I was like, Well, I'm getting Robert in on this and you know, everybody agreed, yeah, we're gonna get Robert to do the visuals. And so then I was the one who got to tell him that he was gonna do the visuals for this discovery and he didn't even know about discovery yet, because this is like six months yeah, before it came out. Yeah. And so then I was with Robert and his partner in visuals, Tim. And I was like, So you guys, I have a big announcement and Tim was on the phone and Robert was in person as a person. And then I said, you know, Robert and Tim, you are going to be doing all the visuals for the first detection of gravitational waves in space. And Robert was like, Ooh! and then the tears started rolling <laughs> up in his eyes. He couldn't even believe it. He was just like this is just like his life stream. And yeah. then Tim, who is I, I comes from a Hollywood it, yeah. background, he was on, and he just goes, uh, "Why is Robert crying? And what are gravitational waves?" <laughs>
9: <laughs> he, he said <laughs> that he could tell that it was a really important result because he knew I was tearing up, so it, right. he, he realized, "Oh, this must be a really big one." But uh, big deal. And in yeah. fairness, I, I should say that I remember that day so vividly because you know this is something I've been reading about since I was a little kid, and when Whitney started to like say, "Well, there's this this big thing that I can't tell you about, but I'm going to tell you now. I really wish I had said. You mean they discovered gravitational waves? Because it was the thing I was thinking. It's like, is she going to tell me it happened? <laughs> and but so I, I was would... actually like really set up for it when she did the reveal. So that's kind of how it hit me double hard. <laughs> but would it
4: kind of a? It would have kind of spoiled it a little bit? It would it kind of a? You know, it was understand.
1: You know, just yeah. But let it, let it wash over yeah. you.
4: Experience it. Just let's let it. Let's let it come to you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big, yeah it, we
1: want you to. Tax prized. But it was cool
9: to have a project like that, though, because, you know, this was months, several months before the release was going to happen. You know, there's a lot of work that had to happen. And so having the luxury of really developing this story over the course of several months to really kind of craft how we wanted to tell the story, I thought was was, uh, you know, a rare opportunity because normally we have to turn things around in a few weeks. Uh, But I think it was also a period for like really digging into how we were crafting a story that has like an emotional resonance, you know, much. You know, I mean, when Star Trek does stories, right? Right. Their first goal is to tell, like, an emotional story. If they can mention something science in the side, they do. And, you know, a lot of times it maybe isn't very correct science, but that's because their core goal is that that emotional through line. But one thing I have learned from Whitney is that a science story needs that emotional through line as much as possible, you know, even a piece of fiction. But, of course... Our goal then is to make sure that every bit of the the content is accurate and clear as part of that process. So I mean, in some ways, I think Whitney has a more challenging job than than the discovery writers because she's got to find the emotion in like you know technical facts and and uh, technical like discoveries a spectrum.
1: Yeah. Like. Yes, and it is very very challenging. I mean, there's times when we don't succeed, you know, and it's a pretty dry, you know, especially these days. I'm doing more quantum physics, and this they they want everything so accurate. Accurate, that it can result in a very dry story but um one seriously thing how where many we times did... can
9: you reference ant-man as the emotional connection zero right, right? zero zero times this is what i'm zero saying oh no 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 <laughs> and man did have a little bit of quantum mechanics and at the end of the first movie is
1: uh... well yeah actually and i the, the, the science advisor for that movie spiros works at uh, caltech so he, he got his quantum physics in there
4: was it was it but, anywhere um, near right though?
1: It was- it was there some so like uh, some of the concepts were? Yeah, just a little okay, bit. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. Like
9: yeah, okay. I will tell okay. you. There's there, there's, there the, the, the a moment in uh, Ant Man at the v- when he is doing that shrink, he's like disappearing into the quantum realm, and he gets to this uh, you know like kind of this weird psychedelic quantum foam he's traveling through. But he gets this final thing where there's like this grid of these weird geometric things that are fluctuating. And as a viewer with a PhD in physics in the audience, my jaw hit the floor because it was like, oh my god, that looks like a grid of Kaluza-Klein geometric manifolds. I've like seen sketches like this in science Mm -hmm. books on quantum mechanics. It's like clearly at some level okay. the visual effects people like right. they were given some reference material and they turned this into something cinematic and I was like, I'm probably the only one in the audience who actually gets this, but thank you. <laughs> I deeply appreciated what they had done there.
1: Well that that was, by the way, that was Spiros Mikolakis is who is was the science advisor. He's a quantum physicist at Caltech.
4: I, we just so anyways, did a Marvel you know, rewatch, and now I feel like I can go back and freeze frame that and go
9: there. There's some like that's okay. We can watch that, and it's it's real. I mean, he also produced a couple of awesomely fun, uh, uh, zany uh, uh, like education videos on quantum mechanics with the cast from some of the Marvel movies because he's kind of buddies with mm-hmm. them. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 what the, it's a um, well, there was uh, the famous chess. chess
1: one where he had Paul Rudd playing quantum chess against Stephen Hawking. So that's one to look up. It's got oh. millions of views. It's really yeah. If you just type it's, in. Paul, it's, Very, very
9: geeky, but you know they tried to get the science right in that, and that's crazy.
1: (laughs) Well, so when so Robert and I's success success story in getting the emotions in was really the LIGO press conference that we both worked on. So it was the first announcement of gravitational Mm -hmm. waves, you know, directly detected after 50 years of effort. And I think we were really successful. I mean, it was we we trained with the science, we worked with them a lot. Like I remember when they first started practicing, they weren't even going to really say the news they were just gonna say you know yes and we at at this wavelength we saw this and blah 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 and i was like well no we need to have an emotional moment at this press conference where people cheers and they you know they get excited and so we worked with the head of the project a guy named dave wright who's great a great speaker and he we we were like we need you to have like a catchphrase like you know something to announce the news and get everybody like chills in their body And so he did an amazing job. He basically said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we have, and he like slowed it down, detected gravitational waves. And then he goes, we did it. And then that we did it, like, ended up (laughs) echoing everywhere on the news and everything. And it was like his catchphrase, and it reminds me of a card saying, make it so. Yeah. Yeah.
9: Though though now I think after Lower Decks, his catchphrase for gravitational waves really needs to be, warp me.
4: <laughs> or me, right? Well,
9: yeah. and I think that I mean that's if you
4: uh, at that roundtable meeting between you and Robert and Tim, where Robert was anticipating this, right? This is something he's been waiting for, and Whitney knew about it and thought it was a big deal, but it was more along the lines of, oh, this is going to be an exciting thing. Let's let's really let's do it. And then Tim was like, I understand you guys think it's a big deal, but I don't know what the heck's going on. So having that that meet that uh, initial meeting there, where you have the spectrum of. We've got to connect Robert through Whitney with Tim. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that is the story of Star Trek too, where a casual fans showing up to, to a, to a, to a science thing and going, yeah, that's kind of neat and all, but I mean, who cares just as so long as they save the day, where someone else in the middle might be like, Oh, I've heard of that, but I don't, is that how that really works? Does Ant-Man really shrink down through pollen? Does he really do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then someone like Robert in the audience going, Oh my God, they took something that is in a textbook and made it look cool on a movie screen. But, and I think that, 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 is is a is is kind of kind of what star trek does for everybody. You can connect with somebody at each level and there's something there for everyone.
1: Yeah, that's definitely and, and- true with the li- with what we do exactly because we give the technical details for people who really want them, but then we're also trying to just excite people to maybe even wonder what is a gravitational wave or you know, right. it's the same thing as in star trek like if they talk about dark matter, then the person might go look up dark matter or something and learn more.
9: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually I think where you hold the idea of from uh, uh, to to do a video like the we, we called it like the life of a G wave uh, instead of a technical story about like gravitational physics uh, it was let's follow a gravitational wave on its journey from moment the uh, black holes merged until it reaches our detector and so it was a, a really narrative way at getting at that story rather than just you know maybe a more dry technical documentary format and uh, so yeah. it was it was really fun working on anytime we have a chance to tell like a A video or visual story like that 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 has that narrative thread Uh, I mean I I mentioned also Whitney you you got to work on many of the Mars landings and those are moments where you know the emotional Mm. storyline is really clear because the emotions are on the faces of the the scientists right there in the control room
1: well yes and I have good stories about how because for years I was like my job would be just to write the captions for the images coming down so I had to be in the room with the scientists when we were getting the first images from Mars or the first images from a comet collision and, and my favorite moment is when we, it was the deep impact mission and it was sending a probe into a comet to like take a bite out of it and then measure the stuff that came out with its instruments. And we were in the, all in the room and we were waiting to get confirmation that it actually hit the comet. And there were various screens up around the room and images were kind of coming in randomly. You didn't know where they were gonna come in. And then all of a sudden this big screen out of the the corner is a picture of this famous picture. And actually I don't have the link ready for it, but it's it's of the comet. And it has just this huge chunk out of it with just light streaming out of it. And it was like the most glorious thing. And one of the lead engineers, I remember she saw it and I was right next to her. And then she started to pass out. Like I saw her eyes go back in her head. (laughs) and she, 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 ready fell, to she faint? kind of partly out she, she kind of half fainted and then got up and then was right. just crying that, was that's great. the
4: robert end of the spectrum right they, she saw yeah. what it was she <laughs> understood it she anticipated
9: it and it was finally here it's like christmas it was, morning times 20. and right. and frankly you know there was there was a lot of uncertainty in what the impact was as it were, a great impact, a uh, deep impact was going to be, right? It might have just created a barely visible influence. But to see that it had such a dramatic effect that, you know, that the model of of really deeply visual uh, result was the right one, that's really where that anticipation comes in. Because, you know, you as a scientist, you know all the possible permutations. And you're trying to prepare yourself for the least exciting, most depressing one. But, you know, when the awesome thing happens, right, that... The emotion is totally there, and and it is fun. I, I always enjoy watching the video of um, uh, like from the uh, control room when the Mars landers hit, or, or when any of these things occur, because you know you actually get to see that real momentary uh, hit, and I think that kind of emotion is infectious for people. Even if you don't know the the science, you know you can still identify with that, and that's right. that's part of this idea of how. Whitney taught me over the years to find that emotional narrative in the storytelling the way that I expect it from, you know, Star Trek, from the shows that I watch. And that's sort of been my journey of discovery is learning to tell that.
4: Well, I, 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 it's really great to have you both here and really fantastic that you're sharing your your, your stories of science storytelling. And thank you for both for uh, coming on the show this week uh, to, to help us celebrate our 500th uh, episode and for helping us uh, raising money for the Poor People's Campaign. Appreciate you sharing the. Those links with us and your time and uh, and we're, we'll I'd like to have you both back on. We're gonna, I mean, Robert, you know, old friend of the show, well, he's gonna be back, but <laughs> try but to Wendy, get rid of me.
9: I mean, <laughs> uh, Wendy, mm-hmm.
4: but but Whitney is really really great to have you on as well, and we appreciate you. Uh, you coming on. And you know, a one for showing up with the Borg prosthesis. You, you know, that was that was unlooked for bonus, and really appreciate that. So thank you both for coming Anytime. on here. And uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm hopefully going to not screw this up and hand it off to uh, uh, Lennon back in the booth so he can get us over to Rod Roddenberry playing Star Trek Online for the very first time. And probably a giveaway, too. We're going to be doing a giveaway for for our next round of prizes as well. So thank you both. And uh,
9: seriously overdue for a a stoic Oh, he's
4: overdue. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you both. And uh, we'll hand off here. Lennon, take us off.
0: Thank you. On screen. Joining us to help celebrate our 500th episode is Alexander Siddig, an actor who has graced television and film for many years and who is, of course, our favorite genetically enhanced Dr. Bashir on Deep Space Nine. Thank you so very much for joining us.
7: Thank you, too. Am I in competition with other genetically enhanced Dr. Bashirs that I don't know about?
4: No, no. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I just happen to be your favorite genetically that is... enhanced Dr. Bashir.
4: <laughs> in... Right. In... That, that's, that's the trick you use with your kids, too. If you have a son and a daughter, oh, you're my favorite son. The only yeah, one, but you know, you're a favorite
7: one. Yeah. Well, I'm very grateful, and I'm grateful for the invitation too, thank you.
0: Thank you. Sid, before we jump in, you know, I'd like to yeah. take a moment to to discuss the importance of, of community, especially during these incredibly difficult times. You know, yeah. to celebrate our 500th, we've, we've chosen to uh, support the Poor People's Campaign, which is doing a significant amount of work uh, to support communities that need it. Marginalized yeah. communities, communities of color, immigrants. Uh, why is an organization like them important to you? Well,
7: I think that this is a time when people are easily forgotten because um, we've all got, you know, frankly, bigger fish to fry at home. This is affecting all of us. This is a pandemic affecting the whole world, not just the country, not just the state, not just the village, not just the house. And it's easy to become distracted and easy to think about yourself, which you must, you know, you must look after yourself and your loved ones. So it requires people with really big boots to step up and um, start thinking about other people who may be left behind, um, who may not get the same attention as your loving family does and my loving family does. Um, And there are plenty of those people around. And so I'm incredibly grateful to these organizations for doing this heavy lifting for
0: us. Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: So, the Star Trek community has kind of evolved over the years, and now you're a part of some of the greatest franchises ever made: Game of Thrones, <laughs> Star Trek, Gotham. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about the relationship between you and the fans, and what you observed about how fans might might have changed over the
7: years? Wow, it's um, a really good question. I've 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 never been a great convention goer because I've been really unpredictable in terms of turning up, and um, I. I i've been disappointing so often that i sort of really have to lock in a convention (laughs) date and turn up and be sure to turn up um usually that phrase is i've
4: been disappointed so often (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've,
7: i've heard stories of people buying flights from china to vegas booking hotels and me ducking out at the last minute and that's thousands and thousands of dollars so it's um, I, I've been I've been kind of arm's length with conventions over the over the years. I do turn up, but just not hugely often. It's usually. Avery Books, myself, and Colin Meany, who are the last three people that people are trying to get
4: signed on a group photograph. They're
7: like, yay, you made it. You made it. Um,
4: You got got that extra special one.
7: Yeah. That rare one. uh, Good luck. Good luck with Avery. But um, uh, when it started, I did tons and tons of conventions. And I just just jumped in, you know, uh, because I just love meeting all these thousands of people. It was such a unique experience for me to get out there and see people and i think i went to all but one or two states um in the first six years of star trek um so i felt like i'd i'd been on a sort of road show um and the, as you remember i'm sure some of you actually none of you probably but i there were there were conventions big conventions every week sometimes two in different states different cities uh, during the the height of the franchise in the 90s and the mid 90s uh, when Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Next Generation were all still kicking off and very fresh and new and you know in early rerun stages so there was plenty to go around Um, and it was just a real pleasure to meet everybody and I found that I never really got much time to talk to people because there were there was George Takei and there was Brent Spiner and we had to get through three or four thousand people's photographs and sign them um, before the before sundown um, or before planes took off. So uh, I, it was quite frustrating going, hi, how do you do? Oh, okay, sorry, yeah, bye, hi, bye. Right. And never really saying hello to anybody. Um, and then eventually I found, sort of muscle my way in and um, started to talk to people and find out who they were and to hell with the line. And they gave me a separate table so I didn't hold everybody else up and uh, I only got through a fraction of the photographs that I was supposed to get through, but I got to talk to people, and that's really something I really enjoyed. And at that time, in the 90s, and um, you can look you know, back at movies like Galaxy Quest for, for, for verification, the Star Trek <laughs> fandom was really, they reeked, you know? People thought they were smelly nerds, no one wanted to know about them, they didn't wash, they never left the house, you know, they were just difficult people. And that was so not my experience. Um, and I don't know why Star Trek fandom had that, that particular, um, reputation. Um, but they were just untouchable. They were a lower caste. And the show was, too, frankly. Let's face it. Sci-Fi was not, you know, it was, we never got awarded or even nominated for, or even considered for Golden Globes or anything like that. Mm. It was, it's a lower caste form of entertainment, you know. It's soap opera or something like that. Well, you know, I, I but 20 years,
0: later, 20 years later. 20, right, 20, 20 years later, right.
4: 20 years later, who's, yeah, who's... Who's still being talked about? Who's still being right. pointed yeah. at as? Hey, remember what they did on that? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I
0: would imagine that you know, Deep Space Nine seems to have like a fine wine matured with age, where people are looking back at it and in a whole new light. Not just not just new audiences, not just younger people, but people who were watching it as it was on syndication and have a whole new worldview and appreciate the show for what it for what it tried to do. So yeah. I wonder if, na- you know, more, more recently as you engage with fans, if there's a different conversation being had about about dis- um, Discovery, my goodness, about Deep Space Nine.
7: Yeah, massively. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's a perfectly acceptable faux pas, by the way. Um, that, that, <laughs> there, is a, there is a totally different discussion. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the people who are watching it now are, uh, weren't born when the show uh, at first right. they aired. Um, they were born in the 90s or the late 90s or 2000s or the Norths or whatever they're called. And, um, those, those guys have a different appreciation, also a different political backdrop, a cultural backdrop with which to watch the show in, if that makes any grammatic cr- sense. You know, life has changed, moved yeah. on. Um, we're not talking about terrorism, proto-terrorism, the early bombings of UN buildings, things that were happening in the nineties. You know, 9-11 happened, came, went. Um, we've had, uh, enormous struggles trying to create safe areas for people who have different identity values to, um, what the normal people, uh, from the 90s, you know, um, and, and people didn't dare be normal. So there
4: are things. It's uncanny. I, I I've read that the you know the the Bajor, uh you know religious uh, strife stuff was was kind of a nod toward the Palestinian conflicts uh, that are yeah. still you know, raging and still a problem today. But how that 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 was a lens you guys were using then, but. You know given everything you said that lens works for a lot of other things and you can yeah. you can see how that even you know you're writing for a particular thing at that time it translates really well and is I'm gonna use the word prophetic uh, to to how the those those issues are going to reverberate today tomorrow right. 20 years from now yeah
7: yeah sadly they're never gonna stop reverberating no one's gonna stop fighting for some freedom that they believe in mm-hmm. um, and we just have to keep going and hope that those numbers dwindle and they don't the, the kind of violent ex- escalations sort of become less and less virulent uh, and less and, and much more sort of rare occasions. Um, but yes, I, we, but, I mean, little did we know that the terrorism was going to become quite so formidable. as It's changed the way we live our lives, you know, since 9-11. Um, and we can't take a, some toothpaste onto the airplane anymore, and we can't wear shoes walking into the airport. Um, and I mm-hmm. don't expect that that will ever change back. Um, and we were talking about that, but Deep Space Nine was also talking about subtly about gender, about sex, sex, um, subtly too about the, I guess, the non-ideal vision of the, the Federation um, about the the, the the flaws, the moles on the face of the generation, if you like, of the Federation. And that those things were really exciting to me at the time of filming. I was like, my goodness, we're actually critiquing the, 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 the Federation. No one does that. Um, so those things were quite exciting to me at the time. And those are now very, very important. you know All TV shows should and ought to examine the culture that we live in and the political leaders that we have. And so DS9 was doing some pretty cool stuff, um, but the fans are all up to speed with this, they, they're, very, they're all over this. I'm being taught stuff by fans that I didn't know about the show. Right.
3: Wow. So in that DS9 documentary, uh, specific attention was paid to the lack of the story's exploration about relationships and sexuality. Can you talk to us about exploring these characters free of oversight and biased censorship, specifically uh, kind of how Bashir and Garrick's relationship developed in the community-authored <laughs> plays you've done, yeah, which are fantastic, yeah. by the way. <laughs>
7: Thank you. We were really lucky. I mean, I think Ira would tell you um, uh, if uh, I'm sure you've had him on or you plan to have him on at some point, um, or Bluebeard himself. Um, he, he, he would say, you know, that, that Deep Space Nine was a middle child and, uh, we, as a result of the fact that the studio really weren't that into us um, they ignored us and Ira could pretty much and Rick Berman obviously and uh, Michael Piller before before Ira could pretty much do whatever they liked because we were you know still Gene's brainchild it still he still did come up with the show um, and at least elements of the show I mean there are arguments about you know Babylon 5 and all that sort of stuff but I don't know about the politics of those arguments
4: <laughs> you know <laughs> Sorry, there's, you so, there's ding, something Third rails. We're just not going to touch it. <laughs> yeah,
7: I don't know about that stuff. That's above my pay grade. Um, but I, I know Gene tacitly blessed the show, you know, and he had ideas for the, what kind of captain he wanted, and he had ideas for you know, strong female leads, um, which she got. Um, and Ira and Michael, I mean, Rick and Michael ran with it. And uh, Ira then took it into a whole different realm. Ira was the first one to notice, Ira Burr, was the first one to notice that no one was watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, uh, Rick Berman. God, love him. I, I, he's my greatest ally on the show. I will never cease to be grateful to him. But he's a studio creature. You know, he was a he's a, a very much a, of the old school studio mole. So he is an executive in the old fashioned sense. Well, we wore suits, et cetera. Et cetera. Ira did not. Ira, you know, rode motorbikes into to work, kind of thing and changed the whole, you know, was a kind of punk <laughs> dressed with yeah. chains and ripped jeans and T-shirts that, you know, had sort of words, anagrams of F-C-U-K on them. And uh <laughs> he... he, he <laughs> would,
4: and and no one, so one noticed.
7: He, <laughs> and no one noticed. He um, he was the one to exploit the fact. He was like, wait a minute, the studio isn't paying any attention to me. They don't give a damn, a flying pig about me. Well, you know what? I'm going to do this. What does this button do? All and
4: right. <laughs> big red button. He started, uh,
7: he started serializing the show, which no one no one had a plan for that. That was not on the cards. That was not in the in the tea leaves. Um, right. And he he changed Star Trek forever by pushing that button. Um, and then he was like, well, let's explore Garak and Bashir and let's explore this. And let's go. I mean, I know that Miles and uh, Bashir were mainly the reason why he joined the show. He wanted to do something with that relationship. He thought that was so fun. Um, um, but Garak and Bashir was really really interesting because it was sci-fi. We couldn't actually say, we couldn't actually go homoerotic with it or anything like that. But I think it would have been worse if we had. I think just the innuendo, the the kind yeah, of implicit nature of the relationship.
4: Is it's the moonlighting thing, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. you, if you have the relationship, you kind of ruin it. You kind of ruin it. But yeah. but it's the it's the it's the repartee that makes it sort of fun. Like, yeah. you, you raise eyebrow. Yeah. Is that really what's going on here? Yeah. Wait
0: a minute. You know, Can I let as I children watch this. <laughs> <laughs> as i've as i've done a, you know a rewatch of deep space nine you know i find that of the of all the trek series i i believe that deep space nine really could lend itself to an anthology but not uh, like a, a or at least a one season continuation much like what was explored in in the documentary yeah not necessarily yeah. a reboot but but to bring the topics and conversations that were happening on the show into twenty 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 one. In a 13-episode arc, yeah, and not the 26-episode arc that that you were working on, because I, I you know, they, between those 26 episodes in in the series, yes, you had the 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 Dominion, and you had these themes of terrorism and and uh, what that means. One 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 man's terrorism is another man's freedom fighter kind of thing. These yeah. topics were explored in you know quite yeah. well in Deep Space Nine, and I find that if I if I could if I could make a wish, it would be to do a, a re, re redo deep space nine today with the similar given that giving giving you the opportunity to utilize and focus on those themes right instead of interjecting a holodeck episode or i mean those were fun don't get me wrong i'm sure they were fun to film too um but deep space nine is so deep and explores so much that i would you know i just i i feel like i would love to see a, a 13 episode arc just on you know, the Dominion War or something like that.
7: Yeah, I mean, in 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 many ways, um, um, oh, Battlestar Galactica um, picked up right. where Deep Space Nine left off, and yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't think there's um I mean I don't think it's coincidence that one of the characters was called Bushy and he looks surprisingly like me. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was kind of a meme on the internet for a while. We looked so much like each other. We met each other in an airport once. And it was like, oh, my goodness, we look like each other. We did a (laughs) show together. (laughs) And we laughed about it so much, um, but I think that was um, a way of just going, Ron Moore was like going, I'm going to pick up a lot of the themes that we started on Deep Space Nine, and I'm going to continue with them in a way that works for me. Uh, so in a funny way, if you want to get a sequel of Deep Space Nine, Ron Moore's Battlestar will give you a, yeah. a lot of it. Um, and it was a tremendous show. Uh, it went off in all sorts of different directions. Uh, certainly if you want to Would see this year.
0: Would you return if, if Deep Space Nine got a quote unquote revamp like that? Would would that be something that would interest you? uh, uh
7: Sure. I mean I uh, think perhaps... it 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 could be more poignant. I mean we we've lost at least four characters of the, four of our cast members, you know, since soon Deep Space Nine. Yes, and that's true. what thirty years will do to you. Um and uh we've and so, uh, and all of them were really important characters, recurring or, or mm-hmm. regular. Um and uh, it would be quite poignant to, to as a from a TV anthol- anthol- anthological perspective, to if that's a word, to wrap up some of those stories, to talk about the real lives of people who have gone, who are no longer with us, um, mm-hmm. to celebrate those lives. Um, no one gets a chance to do that very often. So uh, there are mm-hmm. lots of things that would be. I mean, I, I don't, to be honest, personally, right now, until I see a script or something or an idea, I don't quite trust it. I think the meeting right. of money <laughs> and and uh, revamps and reboot is is a, a, a kind of titanic clash uh, that that normally ends up with unpleasant progeny that don't shouldn't be around. <laughs> uh, Something that everyone wakes left. up and
4: has regrets. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wait a minute. Um, yeah, shouldn't have and, done that. You know,
7: exactly, and and also you know you get you got the practical issue of getting ten actors or whatever it is back together, eight actors, seven actors, and squabbling over money and all that dirty stuff. And right. uh, uh, it's beautiful where it was, and it and it's it, right. and and like Elvis, you don't really bring him back three D. You know, it's just not quite the same.
0: <laughs> in right, right, right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so. All right so I love this I love this I love this this imagery here so bringing back people a, a, a few years afterwards is a bad idea but bringing them back in 3D is the worst idea <laughs> It's, you, don't want to, you, don't want to, you don't want to you don't want an HD version of this It's like just no. let your imagination Let your imagination do that for you because the reality yeah. might be not quite so good not quite so good You
7: know what I would be really interested in and someone had this idea not me one of the guys that I've been talking to I'm not sure it was Terry or Nanar or someone but to, to do an animation uh, But uh, really yeah. well yeah, 21st century comic book style. I mean really modern not just an animation Um, Something really original, something that takes in kind of what the anime scene has done and all that, but make it Deep Space Nine. And then use our voices, and then you can play us young, old, whatever you want to do, and you can well, talk about anything you like.
4: You, you got a chance to do that a little bit with Star Trek Online uh, a few years ago. They they brought uh, you and uh, Visitor and uh, Aboriginal yeah. and a bunch yeah. of your other characters, and you, you had a, you had you had some you had a moment. You had a moment, not like the, yeah. not like the uh, the plays that you had just been doing. You know, a, a fully extended 20, 30, 40 minute conversation. Yeah, that was. You had some moments that you games, could do that. Yeah,
7: they're, they're, I mean they're okay. I mean I, I don't get me wrong. I I, I love that game. If I, if I got into it, I just haven't got enough lifetime to, to, to get into another MMORP game. But um, I, it, an- all I did was go, yes, Wait, yeah, three stop there.
4: Times. Stop there.
7: Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Did you say another, <laughs> another
0: MMORPG game? So which are you currently involved with?
7: <laughs> well, it's not quite MMORPG, but I'm playing Destiny 2 right now, if I had an Xbox. I'm in oh. on, okay on location. <laughs> That'll explain. Before that I've been playing Lord of the Rings and EverQuest and Ultima Online and you name it.
4: I play. Okay. I play those games. Yeah. I love dressing you know, up for something else. You know, you, you know, Sid, you had like some nerd cred before, but now you've no. got nerd cred. Now, yeah. now you've, oh, now yeah. you've got yeah. now you've got extra nerd cred. Now, <laughs> that, like, yeah, that's that's, that's that's good. Good answer. I, well done. Well played. I used
7: to play so much when I was doing Star Trek when I was doing I had a modem installed in my trailer that was the height of luxury I had they brought they had I've had wow. a you know Winnebago and they had to put a modem in it that was my kind of prima donna wow. thing it was like because put I'm putting my my console in here and I'm gonna play and because they left us waiting for hours and I would wake up stay asleep till I don't know four o'clock in the morning and then go to work at three and I got hauled in before Rick Berman one day, um, the, the, the boss um, to his study and uh, I guess office. And um, he said, uh, sit down, Sid, um, uh, Alexander. I think I was, ah, I was Sid, I was Sid. I never was really Alexander to anyone. Um, and he's like, uh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, sure, what's up? And he's like, no, are you okay? I was like, yeah. He's like, um, are you taking drugs? I was like, no, <laughs> what do you mean? it's like your eyes the makeup department have been telling us your eyes have been bloodshot for three weeks now and they're worried (laughs) <laughs> it's like I'm playing computer games. <laughs> Way too late.
0: Hold on, I hold on. No idea. What game what do you remember what game you uh, was keeping you up? I'm just <laughs>
7: Um That would have been probably Ultima online back then. Ultima online wow. um, I think it yeah. would have been Ultima. Yeah. I was That would so have been the right time. Game. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't get enough yep. of it. And uh, you know, I had five GM characters. I was mining all the stuff and chopping down trees. My girlfriend was like, What do you mean, you spent four hours chopping Wood in a virtual world, and I was like, "Yeah, I've got so much wood. Yep. You have no idea, and I've got some mining. Stuff. I've got ore, loads of different kind of ore as well. I've been mining, and you know what? You can't get once you go to a mining area. You you tap it out. You can't go back there. So I'm stopping other stuff. You can't leave it for somebody else.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, no, you can't do that. You have to
0: finish I, it off. You can't leave it sure undone.
7: I got broken up with for that reason at some point. <laughs>
0: Oh, that That's is no amazing. reason
3: to break up with someone, jeez. Oh yeah, yeah well.
0: If, if, <laughs> if you get an opportunity, even if you just uh, try to go to YouTube to watch the cutscenes that involve you and Nana and, and Renee, uh, they're gorgeous. Star Trek Online does some incredible work with their storytelling. Um yeah. Because I imagine you know you're a little disjointed, you know, reading the reading the script that they provide you. Yeah. Um, sure but overall, that yeah, they did they did some phenomenal work with with uh, you know doing a little bit of an ongoing story Absolutely. post dominion war
7: you know i offered them an but easter egg i offered them a, i i don't know if I, I i don't think i've told. i told, told someone i can't remember but I, I offered them a thing it's like why don't we do this thing it's that if you organize a date and a time and i will be there from wherever i am in the world i'll just get on just my voice you don't need me um and you organize a quest that's a week a weekly quest and the, the first person to solve the quest gets to actually meet me julian as julian Bashir. but i'll be live somewhere so that it can be an actual kind of really, an improvised thing as as the end of the quest is to actually talk to the doctor. (laughs) And then, that's, um, a
4: very ultima, that's a very ultimate prize. That's a very ultimate, prize. Very ultimate that's prize. That's
3: amazing.
4: That's a very ultimate we're, prize.
0: We're very good friends with the folks over at Cryptic Studios. Um, I'm going to have to write an email. <laughs> we need to send them an email. Offer, we need to have a sit-down chat offer. with them. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna We need to, to have a sit-down chat. I'm going to talk to
4: Hour about game. a live event like
7: that. Give me the game. Let me figure out how to play it, and uh, I will have a version of my character ready to meet someone with my with my own life.
4: We're going to... I'm talking hey, about. We're gonna Where follow do I this up.
3: No? Where I'm I'm we're, we're gonna no? follow
4: this up, man. You don't you don't know what you've just done. You, do, you may don't not know what you've just done, done,
0: done. Yeah, I'm I'm sure no, they haven't. No, no. like, like I said, may, not for the, years. No, well, the Matrix the, maybe. Yeah, the Matrix Online did something like that with live yeah. events, but it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like this. It wasn't Lawrence Fishburne by No, but that would be amazing. That's yeah. All right. Hmm. Texting now. Texting. Wheels. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's an incredible story. incredible story. I told them.
7: I told them while I was recording it. Hey, guys, why don't we do this? Never
4: heard back. Your, your story about the bloodshot eyes in Ultima leading to That's, this, there's a straight line there. Oh, yeah. We get There's this. a straight line. We, we, yeah. There's yeah. A, there's I a, still a, play. There's a straight line. Yeah.
7: I'm yeah. not as good anymore. I, All right. Some of the Destiny 2 stuff might yeah, yeah. be on me. But.
4: Twitch. Yeah. you got to be so fast. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to Twitch.
7: Yeah. I might do a Twitch as a kind of yeah. funny thing. 50-year-olds playing. <laughs> 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 trying to play games with 12-year-olds. What's this? There's a Twitch and there's a live (laughs) stream.
3: That'd just be me running into a wall because I can't use the controller.
0: You know, it's it's interesting we're talking about this because (laughs) it's (laughs) not
3: all the time.
0: It's interesting we're talking about this because Rod Roddenberry has not played Star Trek Online, and on Saturday during the the live stream event that we're going to be broadcasting this on, um, we're going to walk him through how to play Star Trek Online. So Fantastic. if you ever need a, you know a hand in streaming, where you you know who to call now.
7: <laughs> That's great, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had key, all the keyboards. I mean, I'm using controllers now, which are a pretty lame way of getting around, but they're they're fine. My uh, like Cat uh, says my my wife can't do the controller she she played a
10: Hobbit,
3: I can't.
7: See. Lord of the Rings Online on the keyboard, she, she and I ran through that game. You know, we both leveled mm-hmm. together, which is kind of a weirdly perfect marriage.
4: Thing. <laughs> was, that's um, no, that's you're, you're a blessed man. You're a blessed man. That's what I was told many times.
7: And she would run along with me and she'd be like shouting at me, do I need fighty hands or healy hands for this one? And I'd be like, healy hands. <laughs> we need your healy
0: hands. <laughs> okay, switch to fighty hands. We need your fighty hands now. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you <laughs> Marital bliss, my friend. Marital bliss. That's what that is. It was, it was really is. cool.
7: Awesome. It was really cool. It still is. We, we, we sing karaoke and stuff. She just can't use the controller, sadly. You've got to start yeah. that stuff when I, you're an infant. Otherwise, you never catch up. Yes. Yeah. I feel her pain so. because I yeah, cannot.
3: Catch. I'm definitely absolutely. PC gamer. Otherwise, I'm in the wall. I can't move. I don't know what don't, to do.
7: <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's You need a, at least 10,000 hours. Totally misspent, useless 10,000
4: hours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. your, disp- your dissipated youth, just gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll go back to the script now. That was a. That, oh, was, that was. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I love that. But yeah, we got some. You. We got That's some other way. questions here too yeah all right yeah yeah no, yeah very, it's a subtle segue it's a subtle, I, you like yeah. that we've got a lot of practice with this it's just it's easy transition <laughs> so we talked a little while ago about how you're our favorite dr bashir and you know the only genetically engineered one but you know you yeah. weren't the only genetically engineered uh character in star trek fame the other one of course being you know the famous one Khan, right you know that's absolutely. the other the other famous one absolutely but yeah. you know uh, you know, so bashir was kind of engineered to be sort of defect free and Khan was supposed to be superior but in the real world here our first widespread use of genetic engineering is the the COVID vaccine. So it's not so much about, you know, uh, superiority or defect-free. This is basic health, right? Does that change the way you think about Bashir as a character, knowing that the way the real world has turned out, that genetic engineering isn't all about, you know, being super awesome, but more like surviving? Does that, does that make a difference? Yes. I mean, you know what? You, you reminded me of something. Um,
7: apart from, I can't remember her name, there's a sheep that was genetically engineered that actually... Uh, Dolly. Yeah, Dolly.
4: Right. Dolly, yeah. Dolly. Yeah. Um, the sheep, but
7: yeah, they're, they're, but they're something that a group of fans that I've been meeting quite regularly up until a couple of weeks ago, um, when we took a hiatus, but they taught me is that a lot, a few of these guys who are fairly gender fluid, um, or non-fluid, but trans or other, something other, queer, I don't know, let sort take of a generic word, which seems to be acceptable right now, um, until it isn't. Um, but one of these guys told me, um, a couple of them actually, that they really identified with Bashir because his genetic engineering, um, because of the pre-op situation of what has to happen in, if you are transitioning, and um, and because of his own confusion about what is him and what isn't him. Um, so there are actually things that I'm learning now that I didn't know back then, in, 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 to answer your question. And of course, um, with regards to COVID and the possibilities of genetic enhancements and what we're doing and how we're manipulating genes to create vaccines, etc., that's something I've known for quite a while, um, but I'm kind of interested in this leaked aspect this, that some of these fans have taught me about what how they identify with, with Bashir because I certainly wasn't playing it like that. I was—I didn't even know what trans was in the '90s. Um, although they existed, I mean, I just—they just weren't out, I guess, or not in the mainstream media in a way that I understood. Or I only just started learning about that segment of society a few minutes ago, in sort of archaeological terms. So that's something that I'm really interested in about what, 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 what the things that Bashir has is, is kind of engendered, the, some of the discussions that he is that, around his character and the Dax character too with of course the male symbiont and and the
4: female host Um, really topical <laughs> really interesting, and gets yeah, you thinking in that, ways you could not have predicted. Yeah, you know, twenty years ago you could not have predicted this. Yeah, you know, would not have yeah. known.
7: <clears throat> I mean, excuse me. I remember, you know, there was a first lesbian kiss or something in the nineties, and everyone was like, "Oh, oh my goodness, it's a lesbian kiss!" And of course, fifty other TV shows did it immediately afterwards because it was a good rating. For
4: <laughs> as, as soon as yeah. Ira pushed the button, they're all like, "We can push that button too. We have a yeah. button." <laughs> exactly.
7: Um, but uh, those, those, these are the things that. I'm interested in. I'm interested in the ripple effects, which is kind of linking back to your first question about fans and how they've changed. Um, the, the, the evolution of fandom, it obviously takes in the evolution of all our cultures. And um, that's fascinating. That's There's some gold in those hills to, to mine, especially for academics, to want to see how people are encouraged, how they're in, they're given... They're, yeah, encourages is the exact right word, to, to be vocal about themselves, to talk about themselves. Good TV does that to you. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, something we ask a lot of our guests and this is going to have a, a, a special significance for you probably. Um a lot of characters, a lot of actors bring something of themselves to the character and then sometimes the character gives something back to you. You know, as you you, you take you take from the character and walk away with. And I yeah. know that your time on Deep Space 9 changed your life tremendously. I mean, you had you a sure. A lot of a lot of change, change change happened. But you've had the chance to come back to him, you know, yeah. and so you, you 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 put something in, got something out from back then and now you're you're you came back to him 20 years later. Is there still yeah. some give and take going on? Is, is, is Bashir still talking to, to Sid? And is Sid still talking to Bashir?
7: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and you know, Matt Campbell, and, and, and there's, a, there's a few really terrific writers who, who have, I've been hooking up with recently, but Matt Campbell did a, a series for us that we did, and some of them are on YouTube, and, and some of them will never be on YouTube, I don't think, uh, but we did them live for our audiences because of contractual legal things that we just couldn't do the rest. Um, but it was it, it's really a fascinating discussion that you have with yourself when you go back to play a character that you dropped 30 years previously. Um, and people often ask me over the years whether or not I influenced Bashir or Bashir influenced me. Um, and I think it is a bit of both. Um, Bashir was actually a kind of comfort blanket for me. He was where I could crawl to as an actor when, because I am catastrophically unsocial. Um, I mean, you wouldn't know it because I would do zooms and I this do does not come nights. through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I will yeah, play. This, you know, come charming. <laughs> anytime time I can, but I, it's a bit of an act to be honest with you. And. I mean, I care about it, so I, it's not entirely an act, but it, it, it's, it's not really me. My wife will be like, I can't get him out to any restaurant ever. I can't get him out of the house. Um, <laughs> so it, she will tell you how. I mean, she, I won't even go and visit her family at Christmas if I can possibly help it. <laughs> it's like, I have some people. I don't want
4: to. This is my one. wife. This is my, this is how, yes, no, I get this, I get this, yeah.
7: yeah. There'll I be a lot this. of people who are, can, yeah. can feel what I'm feeling. Um, so yeah. Bashir and I really cozied up because of the fact that we were both really incompetent socially. Um, Bashir much more so than me. So I would always rewind the clock when I was playing Bashir. It was like, I was 27, Bashir is 22. I was 28, Bashir is 23. So that was pretty much how I would look back at my days at university, say, and how useless I was. And I would try and replicate that and how indecisive I was, and I would try to replicate that. And I was sure as hell terrible with the opposite sex um, in terms of getting attention. I just didn't want to engage. The idea of being rejected was so terrifying, so completely stultifying to me that i just didn't want to even try so i i would wait for people to to come and talk to me which is a bit like a fish a fisherman with a rod with no bait just going
4: oh, I'm
7: nothing. It. <laughs> one
4: of these days one of these days of something's going to come up and wonder what that hooks for
7: A <laughs> forward fish will come up and say and that's kind of how i lived my life as a kid i would wait for people and that wasn't the cultural norm nowadays i think everybody talks to everybody willing in it, will it it doesn't matter i'm coming in But back those days it was really you know boys had to instigate things um and that was really uncomfortable for me so bashir and i are very similar in that sense
0: how does that influence you as an actor right because you know i every time i go into an audition it's crippling anxiety for me and you know like it sounds to me like that there's that fear of rejection for you too so how do you cope with that as an actor going from production to production
7: interestingly i care about the audience only i don't give a damn about casting directors if they don't like my stuff they can jump off a cliff as far as i'm concerned that's their problem what i care about is getting things right for the people the other side of the the process once you look into Mm -hmm. a camera and get it all right and getting uh positive feedback from the audience um is by far the most gratifying thing that ever happens to an actor um comedians will tell you you know getting a laugh is the big thing and um stage actors will tell you getting a round of applause or something improvised something you wouldn't expect in the middle of a thing is it's quite amazing um but that's only because you just want to be other people to think that they can identify with you um on for every character you play weirdly for but bashir especially um was He, if he, if people didn't identify with Bashir, he would have been such a weak character because Mm. he was weak. I mean, he was kind of sad if you scratch the surface. You know, it was, Mm. if you think Mm. about what he did after he clocked out at night, when he didn't get Dax again, when he couldn't figure out the disease he was trying to, he was trying to battle. When he finally punched out, went to sleep by himself in his cot on a naval, on a naval vessel. He was not the happiest kid. On the on, on the on the ship uh, on the station, um, he would have been like, "God, I mustn't do that again. I mustn't say like, I mustn't talk to people like that again, like that." The things we all do, you know, we all right. I will never go into a room and do that to someone again. I what a fool I was. why did I why, did, why was I rude to that person? What did they do to me? And Bashir went through those lessons.
0: Let me ask you, so you, you played Ra's al Ghul on, uh, on Gotham. We were talking about your gaming. Were By chance, had you also been a comic book fan growing up? And were you reading no, DC? that's one of the things read- like,
7: that eluded me. I was never a comic book fan. Um, Okay. I mean, I I, I kind that's of enjoy that retrospect, retroactively, retrospectively, um, but only through movies of like, oh look, there's Thor. He's got really big muscles, and yeah. all that sort of.
4: Elio's thing. only asking that. Elio's only asking that because he has a giant Lego Batmobile. That's the only reason he's asking that <laughs> question. That's, that's yeah, that's <laughs> well, that's why. I'm, that's
0: no, why, I'm, a, bat, I'm yeah. a bit of a Batman fan. Uh, he's a bit of a Batman I fan. Love, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Well, a, I love cool. Lego, so I can
7: I meet you halfway. <laughs> There There we go. See, (laughs) I had tons and tons of Lego as a kid. Legos as a kid. Um, That was that was my thing. I didn't get into comic books because I was in a strict schooling system where we just simply weren't allowed that kind of that kind of thing. I mean, they weren't. You wouldn't. I mean, no one had those. You uh, they were considered trash. Um, And well, same the same link, weirdly, as as sci-fi. You know, they're all in the same place, I
0: think. You know, something about Gotham that I did notice... Uh, unfortunately, I haven't finished the series, but I have I have uh, uh, started it, and I'm, and I'm hoping to get through it. Uh, but one thing I do notice is that they are... They are... It, it seems to me they are not willing to whitewash characters that were from the comics, right? Whereas, you know, recent films, whitewash characters. And as an actor, are you... Um, you know, conscious about these things. Are you always paying attention to the roles that that matter most to you and, and things that you want to play?
7: In, in, in what sense?
0: I guess it, you know the the importance of making sure that there is representation in the enter in, in our entertainment, proper representation and making sure that as an actor, you, you don't take on, I, it seems to me like you don't take on roles that, that caricaturize or are stereotypical. Um, you know, like I'm a, i, I see, I'm Latino, I right? See. I'm Cuban American. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've turned down roles that, that are flat out stereotypes that I just yeah. would, don't want to support. So do you find yeah. as you are, you know, moving through new projects that you're, you're, you're attentive to these things, um, Um, and want to elevate the conversation?
7: You know, I would love to say that that was the case. Um, But that's sort of, that's a real luxury for an actor, to have that choice of going no to a role. Um, I'm lucky to a degree because I've had some success, so I, I can actually say no sometimes and i will say no like in the same way that you feel stereoty- stereotyped as being you know hispanic Nex. you are very lucky if you get a role with that kind of character that you get you can go well you know what i've got 20 grand at the bank i don't have to do this i'm fine i'm good right, um right. i'll wait till the next one comes along maybe that'll be better there was a whole period of time when it was all terrorist in in on tv um and I had to be—I had to pick a few terrorists. I just had to find a way to make them kind of okay, <laughs> right. right? How do I make this guy ambiguous? Because um, right. I don't think—I mean, ninety-nine point five percent of actors don't have a choice.
0: Right, right, that's true.
4: And I, I read an old there's an old article online we were preparing for this interview that where you had said that you had—you—you uh, you had really enjoyed the ability, like you said, to make it ambiguous. The best villains are the heroes of their own story, and even the better villains are the ones where you go. Oh, maybe I get why he did that. And do, yeah. do you do you find that you had some of that, even if you were taking a role that was, you know, terrorist four, terrorist number four? Did you have a chance yeah. to to maybe inject a little of something in that in there?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, I can think of a situation, for example, that never ha- that that happened where I was with a kid who was about to blow himself up, terrorist. I was a terrorist. And in the moment of him blowing himself up, it just occurred to me, what would I do if this was my kid? I probably would hug him, you know. At least he was being hugged as he was killing himself, even though it's all very drastic and disgusting. And we don't want to, you know, uh, celebrate any kind of uh, uh, mass suicide event. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are... That tiny moment at the end of a TV episode of a TV show was a choice an actor could make to cross a line and go, watch this, Little Humanity, so that people go, especially moms and dads, go, oh, maybe I'd have done that too. Um, so we can affect things a little, but we just can't change the direction of the ship. We can sort of, I don't know, change the motion in the ocean to use another horrible... <laughs> <laughs> <often> <laughs> you can raise a little flag. Aphorism. You can raise yeah, a little flag. flag. Yeah. yeah, okay,
4: yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah.
7: But, you know, you touch on an interesting subject. I don't think you have time for it all here. But the whole notion of what actors play and the genuine political correctness about that, it, it's all very important, the discussion. I mean, everybody, yeah. the, the, the tension around the discussion is really important so that we figure out the parameters of it. But frankly, mm-hmm. actors wouldn't work at all if they couldn't play outside themselves. So right, if right, someone right, couldn't right, right. play yeah. right. Hispanic who wasn't and someone couldn't be... I mean, uh, there's a lot of tension in that world right now, and it's very mm-hmm. flared. Um, at the end of the day, you want the best possible performance for the for the audience, and they ha- and they are the final arbiters of what is convincing right. and what is not. Um, and actors throughout time have been very fluid about what they play, and I think that's narrowing, right. constricting, and that's going to be damaging for the industry in the long run. Right,
0: right, right. Speaking of uh, of other actors, your uh, your uncle Malcolm McDowell did did you get him the role on on Generation. Did you get him a job? Did you get him that Goodness, job? No,
7: absolutely not. There's no way I have the power to get him any kind of job. No way. I, I don't even think the the people who cast him even knew we were related. He was just a, you know just some super famous actor, and they love super famous actors. Um, no, he got that by himself. But he called me gleefully saying, "I get to shoot effing Kirk." Really happy. <laughs> <laughs> watershed yeah. moment for Malcolm
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting that's so funny yeah, did he visit you on one, set yeah. did he visit you know if you, were you ever on set together in the Paramount lot and cross paths during filming no because uh, dc sign like, was I airing yeah.
7: yes it was but we were knowing mm. I don't know where they were filming um they must have been on. Paranormal, they got to go out on location. I never, yeah, I never saw Malcolm um, as his character. It would have been great had I. We only worked mm. once together on a movie called Doomsday, and ironically, our schedules didn't, con, you know, con, 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 are conflicted, and I was gone by the time he arrived. Right.
4: right. Oh, so close.
0: So before That's we let you like. go, we'd be remiss, and and our our audience would probably hate us if we didn't ask: Have you been approached, or do you have any interest at all in reprising your role? for Star Trek Picard?
7: I haven't been approached, um, but I may have been. Um, as my agents field that stuff, and I know that I was asked at some point maybe three years ago, two years ago, no, three, you know, do you have any interest, if, someone, if it were to happen, would you have any interest in coming, going on Star Trek? And that usually is the result of someone calling them from somewhere else and going, what's Sid's availability like in this situation? And I said, and I probably would stick to this, that if I didn't feel ashamed of the character, that if I thought, thought it was well worth the, you know, putting air back in the tyres of this old thing and mm-hmm. getting it back on the road and oiling all the parts and moving it out there, then it'd be worth it to me. And I think that probably scared the living daylights out of them. So they went, "Okay, thanks."
4: <laughs> We'd have to like spend a lot of time making this work for him. No, let's just let's not do that. Let's not do that. Cause, well, and now and now that you've done your thing. Me. Well, and now that you've done your thing with with Andrew Robinson, they'd have to get him back too. You got you guys are a package deal now. You got you know would have, the have to bring back him back too. That yeah, would they be they'd the have to bring idea. Garrett back too. Yeah, they would have to bring you both back. Yeah, Let's make this happen. The kind of I don't know if we can make that World phone call.
7: Walter and Jack Lemon of Star Trek for the future, the grumpy old men.
4: <laughs> no, you put that together in a five in an elevator pitch. I think you sell that. I think that's you the, sell that. I think funny. that works. The odd, the Star Trek odd couple. I yeah. think. I think. I think that I. I think you go. You call Kurtzman. You call Kurtzman and you sell him this pitch. And, I th- and you got, yeah. you're got executive producer now. Yeah, I think like that works. Like Waldorf Do this. and
7: what's-his-name in The Muppets sitting yeah, up there. Yeah, uh, the Statler pit. and Waldorf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes,
4: exactly. Yes. This has legs, man. This has legs. You call Kurtzman, you you can you, you set up a meeting. I think this works. <laughs>
0: Well, Sid, before we let you go, is there any projects you're working on that you'd like to draw some attention to and make sure that uh, your fans are aware of?
7: Um, Not yet. I mean, I'd love to. I'm working in Estonia on a horror movie. Um, this is the first work I've had in 14 months, by the way. Uh, so it's the first Mm -hmm. time I've been out. I can barely remember what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm never at liberty to talk about anything until they say I can talk about it. Um, uh, partly because they probably don't even know what kind of movie they're making yet. Once it's in the can, then they'll know. And then they'll be, oh yeah, we're making a horror movie. But right now, maybe it's an animation. Who knows?
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's depends on what ends up on the cutting room floor. It used to be a horror movie and now it's a thriller suspense yeah, yeah. What and, uh, and what Photoshop. about the club?
7: <laughs> that will continue um, a little bit after we're gone I mean we're going to have to wind it down somehow, sometime but um, it's doing really well without me I'm infuriated to hear um, <laughs> and uh, they're doing a really good job they're really happy hanging out with each other um, that I can't envision stopping until it's all clear for a lot of our guys who we now genuinely care about um, are okay to step out leave the house
0: well, the Sid City Social Club was definitely a welcomed, welcomed virtual event, uh, in twenty twenty. So thank you for that.
7: Thank you. Thank you. We'll still keep going. We'll be we'll be there for a bit longer.
0: Well, Sid, thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to help us celebrate our five hundredth episode and to help encourage our viewers to donate to the poor people's campaign. Thank you Please so do. very much. Whatever
7: you have to spare. Thank you, Kat.
4: Thank you, Elio. And thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, Sid. Thank you, guys.
0: Yes, joining us is is Gauron. Gauron the puppet. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I welcome
10: you to space. I am very spacey. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, joining us right now is none other than Robert O'Reilly, who you may know as Gauron from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And. Star Trek Online, <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation, Next the Next Generation. Uh Robert, thank you so. Very much. We're experiencing.
4: We were getting there. We were coming to that. Oh, we oh we were coming I'm to that. For you. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're jumping right into the where we want to go.
0: <laughs> uh Thank you so very much for joining us last minute. You know, this was this was a great surprise for 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 me and 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 the and the team. So thank you so very much for for being flexible and and ha- and sharing your afternoon with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
10: Glad to be here. Glad to be here to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as actually you bring that up, you know, one of the reasons that we've put together this event, yes, we're celebrating our 500th episode and 10 years of podcasting, uh, but we are a community podcast, right? We, all of us here on this team are volunteers, we donate our time, and I run the production much like community theater, in that way. Great. Um, and as a result, because of that, it's important for us to give back. It's important to us to find a way to be able to support each other in this community, and so it's one of the reasons why we chose the Port people's campaign the poor people's campaign have boots on the ground they're working with communities that may not have resources that you and i have or in our communities to help them uh stay protected against covid and the pandemic among other things um and to keep people informed right about the vaccine about you know how to stay safe and how to stay smart about things uh so thank you for being a part of this and thank you for uh for joining us
10: i'm glad i can do it and uh, if if i can if anytime you need me give me a call
0: i appreciate it i appreciate I'll be it here. so Gow before we jump in the me anyway garon will be here <laughs> so what why is it important for you why is it important for you to support an organization like the poor people's campaign in a time like this
10: uh, it's important for all of us to to accept responsibility for all people in this country and actually in the world where Star Trek is, uh, the original Star Trek, I believe almost had the concept of, uh, we are in one spaceship going through the universe and we're all together. And uh, um, it happened to be Earth going out to the universe, but it's the universe encompasses all. And so we have to Mm -hmm. support all. And in that universe, uh, the Roddenberrys had created a world that was solved in a sense, planet Earth was solved. There was no poverty. There was no hunger. Um, and that gave the ability to go outside of it itself. And it's still true. We're living that. We're trying to do it, and that's how we yeah. do it. We help others. Right.
0: Well, we're glad to see you healthy. We're glad to see you safe. And uh, again, thank you for joining us. So so let's jump in a little bit about, uh, and talk about the commu- the Star Trek community, right? I mean, you know, you've know, you been a part of it for so many years now. What, what has changed for you, perhaps, in what you've seen from the community, right? What has evolved uh, over the years?
10: I've gotten old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think what's evolved uh, with the community is we have gotten old. Um, w- many of us came in really, really young, I was an original um, fan of Star Trek. So when I was watching Star Trek with Jimmy Dewan and Shatner, and, and uh, the whole cast, um, uh, I was in college. Um, mm. uh, some of us were younger, some of us were older, but um, uh, we have grown older. And, and now there are other shows, and we're still creating it. But I think the theme is really still the same. Uh, It switches and changes from time to time. But it's we're looking um, at sort of a mirror of ourselves, uh, good and bad and evil and um, saintly. And um, uh, it's part melodrama, part drama, part comedy. uh, um, And it's, you know, it's a real stage and and uh, uh, I just loving lo- I have loved being a part of it, and I couldn't have dreamed I was going to be a part of it in college because mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking of being an actor at that time. I was just really yeah, I was just and what and there was the one show and I always forget the name of it, but it was the one where because the timing of it was so perfect mm-hmm. to the actual show and what was going on in our world at that moment in time was uh, the one where uh, half uh, the characters were black and half the characters were white.
4: Let that be your last battlefield.
10: Yes. And then the other character was on opposite sides and they thought it. And we would look at this from our vantage point and see how absurd that was. And the imagery of it, of looking in a mirror and then seeing yourself in the opposite way was so, cataclysmic in my brain at that moment, because that's what we were living in America. And it was, um, I think it was probably one of the most brilliant scripts ever written um, for television uh, of all time. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it Look, look! at what I've got here. I don't know if you can see it. I'll try to get it close to the camera. This was taken about oh. uh, 25 years ago at a oh. uh, convention. But you see, can you see the picture at the bottom? Yes, you know? yes, yes. Yeah,
4: Okay. Yeah, it's that. It's the. Uh, it's the character. Yeah. I don't know which one it exactly. is. Right. But yeah. it's one of the ones that yeah, has the yeah. half black hat. one. And, and there was the
10: actor who played it. And I forget. He was a comedian at the time, and he did a great, great. Um, impression of uh, who is it he did? He did a great Kirk Douglas, and he, sure. did, a, and he did a great uh, and the name will come to me eventually, maybe uh, and a great... Frank Gorshin? Yeah, Frank Gorshin. Yeah. That's right.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. You, How did you know that?
0: I didn't. Jake and our, one of our producers in the oh, chat.
4: Oh. <laughs> sorry. Sorry I spoiled the illusion there. I yeah.
0: appreciate that. Thanks. thanks. Way thanks to go, much.
4: Jake. Good job. Making your, your host look good. Well played. And yeah. I ruined it.
10: Gorkson, <laughs> and, and he, he gave, gave us uh, a picture and he gave us an autograph. It was it was in Burbank. He was at a convention in Burbank. So
2: nice. anyway,
10: thrill all my lifetime.
0: Now you've had a lot of fun with the character. Like you've had a lot of fun with the community too, right? Yeah. Playing the character yeah. obviously, and then and then off screen, yeah. whether it's at Vegas and you're doing the the Klingon karaoke uh, with JG Hertzler, or or even performing with the Roddenberries, right? Let's you know right. just just last year, yeah, you did the the Klingon showdown, right? For. Um, the the Roddenberry's band. Right. Um tell well how was that? What was how was that that experience? I, I loved yeah. I love the picture of you and your, your Hawaiian shorts with like <laughs> it was like waist up Klingon, waist down Hawaiian shorts. That yeah, was well, amazing. It,
10: it, that came about because JG and I did a, a convention in Hawaii and at the last second before going on stage, JG went, you know, we really should make this Hawaiian Klingon because we're in Hawaii. <laughs> And I went, well, how do we do that? I said, you know, come on. And he said, well, we'll go down to the store in the hotel. And he, he bought a sarong for him. (laughs) <laughs> and I got some jams for me because I wouldn't wear it so wrong. I figured I'd probably it he, he, he,
4: was, he was really committed to the bit. You were a little yeah. hesitant, right? I was, I was. Yeah, okay,
10: I was all right. Yeah. So I had kept those jams and I just mentioned it to them. And they said, yeah, yeah, do jams. So we, you know, I don't know if you saw the shot, but they were, I was doing surfing in um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the shots <laughs> and they put a wave behind me. And, and uh, it's just me being silly. And, uh, Did
0: you have a good time doing the... The Roddenberries and and you know having fun with the character.
10: I did, I did. Although you know I, the Roddenberries weren't there. Uh, right, the, everything the, was remote. Everything wasn't there. It was like me and in, in my garage. We shot it in my garage. And, and uh, but through the years, I've had you know a lot of fun, um, not taking Galron too seriously, uh, um, and having fun with the character, with the Roddenberries or the the band, the Roddenberries, and um, uh, you know just doing conventions worldwide from New Zealand, Australia, Germany, all over Europe uh, and the United States for can't believe it, over 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. meeting um, really incredible actors, and, and I mean, one of my favorite actors of all time is Jimmy Dewan and, and you know, we I got to be with him, you know, a lot. Wow. Uh, uh, we Once we did a convention in Germany, and it, we were there for uh, a week, we both went a week early uh, to sort of get used to the hours, and uh, so I was a, a week with Jimmy Dewan in Germany, it was just, and we wow. shot a commercial there, Two together,
0: which was what's uh, while, while you're talking about these stories traveling, what uh, what kind of sticks out in your brain as like uh, one of perhaps a, a, the strangest moment on one of these convention circuits that that you recall?
10: Uh, well, I've had to sign some strange things in, in my day. Really? Oh really? <laughs> yes. yes, Yes. Oh, yeah. oh is that? Are we Are gonna <laughs> oh, get anything else, or is that right, just, just? Or are you just gonna? Really leave. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah leave gonna your leave imaginations, but yeah, I was gonna say that's not a great idea because our imaginations can go go places, man. I mean, maybe you ought to like just narrow it <laughs> well, down a little <laughs> for us. All over, and,
8: you know,
10: it's much better in your
0: imagination. <laughs> well, well, speaking of speaking of like signing things, you know, in, in your convention, remember, captains, that we are only eight hundred and thirty-seven. About eight hundred and thirty-seven dollars away to unlock the chance to have Robert O'Reilly read your outgoing voicemail. So be sure to donate. Be sure to donate because we can't. It's not going to happen unless we get at least two thousand dollars.
10: Say any, well, I won't say anything, but
4: um, within, within reason. reason. Within, within reason. reason. Within, yeah, within yeah. reason. Yeah, Remember what I just said about leaving things to right. our imagination. You know, yeah. Let's, know, let's let let's let's be careful. You know,
10: you could have 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 going experience beach.
0: That's exactly it. That, That's, it. That's...
10: <laughs> so. Tell, like... us <laughs> tell us a story. Tell us the story
0: about that uh, of what you're holding up there.
10: Uh, oh, th- this was. Um... This was really fun. This is is my alter ego, Gauron. Yes, and and uh, he's he's very strange. But anyway, we were doing a uh, convention in Spain, JG and I. And uh, during the convention, they said, "Well, you have to follow us, and you have to watch somebody on stage." And we were like, "Oh, well, wait a minute! I didn't think there were any other other guest stars uh, besides us." And and uh, he said, "No, no, no, no. Well, this they they're doing this for you. So go. So we sat in the audience, and out came. This guy and uh, uh, Martok, uh, and they beat each other. They had this whole puppet show, we're in traditional Spanish uh, uh, puppetry, and then they beat each other with it, you know, with with, <laughs> with um, sticks and stuff. And it was quite entertaining. And and they sur- they both survived and asked us if we'd like them, and, and I was thrilled to be able to take them back on the plane and drive everybody on the plane absolutely insane, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it quite enjoyable for me and a miserable experience
0: for everybody. That cu- you know. Customs must have been quite confused. Yeah. <laughs> but,
4: and, and I do want to point out that, you know, for, for our listeners who are going to listen to this on the radio, he's holding up a stick figure. It's about maybe a foot tall. The The head of Gowron is is a round ball, maybe an l- oversized grapefruit or a really big softball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the one thing that is absolutely true to form is the eyes are bulging right out at you in full yeah. 3D. I mean, they're, they're there, man. They are there.
10: So Garon is always with me in some form or
4: other. You
0: know. Well, you not only did you reprise your, you know, the role in uh, in the Roddenberry Showdown, but you also uh, got to voice uh, Garrow and and his descendant in uh, Star Trek Online. Oh,
10: that was great, uh, and and, and it, it, it's going now too, and it, it's um. Uh, uh yes, I played my descendants um Ikar. I always mispronounce it. Akar, Akar it yeah. Ikar. yeah. And uh um, himself comes back. Well I'm not That's sure if he right. Comes, but I'll I'll spoil the whole thing if I you know. It's okay. Yeah, though. go
0: ahead. You can spoil it. You can spoil it. We've, We've all
3: played, played.
10: <laughs> We don't know how, but he does.
4: <laughs> to the magic of science fiction. Yes, magic of science fiction <laughs> and Bob
10: O'Reilly's science
4: fiction, too. There you go. Uh,
10: and uh, I mean, it was a thrill to do it, and I've still got another one to do. And, and uh, to, to holler. And,
4: um, That's a spoiler.
10: Yeah, wing yeah wing. exactly. And so, uh, um, perhaps I survived, but perhaps not. You never who know. can say yes.
4: at this early stage? Yes. Who knows?
10: Yeah. And, um, <laughs> uh, at least uh, JG maybe doesn't beat me this time. Who knows?
0: <laughs> you know, I, what's, what was hilarious was you see not, I don't think very many people understand the beige reference, right? You mm-hmm. had to have played the interactive board game, which my girlfriend, Allison is who introduced me to it and we played it. Uh, uh, and that's how I was introduced to the whole beige thing. And then uh, I, I think
4: we need to explain that because yeah, it's, yeah, it really yeah. is pretty niche. So Bob, do you remember doing? Do you remember doing this? Oh, you I, weren't Galron at the time, right? This wasn't Galron.
10: You know, you you said before that that you know did was there something unusual that happened to you or weird that? And and actually, you keep me in on on this one. It was on the beige set. We'll call it that. <laughs>
2: Uh, said, was, right.
10: They they called me up after I did the the three parts in the that season that I did and and they said listen uh, we want you to play another Klingon I said another Klingon already you know I, I I said okay um and and they explained it was a board game and they wanted to change the character not use Gowron because they didn't they. Uh, Well, the end of the game would explain it, but I won't explain now. But if you play in case you play the game Uh, and it's a board game and uh, and I was the only character on the set for about two weeks shooting. <laughs> and I mean, it was it it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I bored myself sometimes. But you know, people woke me up and, and got me going <laughs> again. And uh, but it was interesting because I you know, I was up at 4am every morning. And, yes. and um, but I had normal hours, which was great because they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't pushing me 16 hours. And it was pretty much eight hours a day. And, and that was great. Uh, but When the filming was going on, we had one stage, the entire stage, and it was the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And you play the game on the Enterprise against me. And if you mess up, which you do all the time, I go experience beach, (laughs) and then you're you know you blow up. and and and, uh, and so the whole thing is you got to experience beige about five hundred times before yeah. you get to the <laughs> And because uh, it's all a up. I I got you going, babe. Anyway, uh so what happened on one of the sets? Um, we're working one day and they they interrupt. They said, uh, "Mr. O'Reilly," and I said, "Yes, uh, what's going on?" And they said, uh, "We've had uh, somebody wants to come over and and talk to you and and." and maybe get a picture with you and I said yeah fine go, on, go ahead so what I didn't know is next door they were filming Star Trek and um they had a scene of a card game going on and in the card game there were all the geniuses of, of oh yeah space and time.
4: Einstein and Newton yeah 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 oh, right. and,
10: and, 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 and uh, um at present well he is now passed but in those days he was still there and he was present and uh it was Mr Hawking and um
2: mm-hmm. nice he,
10: he came over and I didn't I knew of his book but I'd never seen a picture of him and so it was you know um, he was in a wheelchair, and he came in in a wheelchair. And I expected for him to talk, and all of a sudden he talked with the, uh, you know, the 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 computerized voice. And I was like, "Wow, Stephen Hawking's!" And 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 so so it was all new to me. But we, you know, we sat down, we talked, we had a great time, and and you know, we figured somebody come in, one of the photographers, Paramount photographers had come in because it's kind of a special moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And for both of us, because his biggest, he was the biggest fan of Klingons. That was his thing, Klingons, which I was thrilled with, because Klingons were my favorite thing too. And um, besides Jimmy Doon. And uh, so we talked, and we had a great time. And, uh, and then the only camera around was a Polaroid. So oh. we had a Polaroid picture taken of us and, and, uh, and we had two, one went to him and one went to me. and that, uh, So it was just, you know, a thrill of a lifetime because you had the mathematical genius of the world with the mathematical idiot of the world.
2: <laughs>
10: no. Quite a unique, you know, setup there.
4: In the middle of experiencing all this beige. There was just beige everywhere and he just wandered right in the middle of it.
10: Experience beige, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea what he was talking about because he didn't have the game yet. Yeah,
4: right. he didn't have any yeah, he had no idea what beige exactly. was. Exactly.
10: <laughs> so Les let Landau, me Landau Les Landau uh, was the director of it and he was fabulous too. Anyway. Shout out to Les. And a shout out to Raise Money. Keep raising money.
0: Yes, that's Come right. On, so right, right now we out. are Right now we are at. We've gotten some more donations. Right now we are at one thousand two hundred and eight dollars. We are seven hundred ninety-one dollars hey. away from our goal. So make sure to bring donate. It for, bring it for your, in. Yeah, bring it in. Bring, bring, it, bring in. it in for your chance in. to experience
10: beige. Or experience so. beige. I don't experience <laughs> beige, but. <yeah. laughs>
4: <laughs> tell tell people who want to leave voicemails to experience bees. Tell them to, yeah, tell yeah, them awesome. to send a text like a normal person. I do, voice
10: mails, I do good voicemails. I do I do great
4: voicemails. Nice,
0: nice, nice. We were hoping. I welcome awesome.
10: you to your telephone.
0: <laughs> you see that's uh, right there. That's just that's that's reason enough. Show. That's, that's uh, reason enough to open your pockets you <laughs> and try to and try to and donate so we can unlock if you it. Don't
10: leave a message. You're going to experience beige.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> (laughs) Exactly.
4: So you know, oh, that's it's, fantastic.
0: You know, Deep, you were involved in Deep Space Nine, and it it seems that over the years, Deep Space Nine has uh, aged like a fine wine. People are watching it now with you know a, a new perspective, either coming back to it and revisiting right. it, or new uh, new viewers who are who are going through the Star Trek mythos. What's that like for you know to, to see the the um, that growth that 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 passion that people have for Deep Space Nine?
10: Well, I I, I just I, I die good. What can I tell you, I just, you know, like a Klingon,
4: <laughs> like a true Klingon, true you
10: know, that's right. I, um, no, I actually watch it. I try to watch it every night. Um, uh, it, it, it replays and, and I, I have a ball watching it because many of them I didn't see. Uh, um, I, I was I was off doing uh, location work or I was or I was doing the show and you can't do the show and watch the show because you know you're you're so exhausted uh, typical day for us was 16 hours you know from makeup to getting out of makeup and um, uh, and then if you work three or four days a week you were just like done but mm-hmm. I, I, I loved it and and one of my favorite uh, shows is uh the one i did with uh, uh with the with um uh the one that i think it was called something ferengi and it, it was it was it was a Ferengi's meat klingon
3: the magnificent ferengi
4: uh no, no, no that it, was the dominion it,
3: that was the gemendar okay never mind yeah well yeah. yeah. so this was uh, this was um
10: uh uh it was where um I, I, I'm Gowron, but I'm sitting there, and I have to be the judge of this uh, problem between...
3: Uh, 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 oh, House of Quark, right? House of Quark,
10: yeah. The- House yes! of Quark,
4: okay. all right. I yes.
3: love that episode.
4: Yeah, I, was th- yeah. I was trying to think of a Klingon title for it, but it wasn't a Klingon title.
2: It House no, of it wasn't. Yeah. It was
4: yeah. not,
10: but it was. It was the House of Quark. And it was, it was pretty funny. And, and I actually, to do one of the scenes, I studied Chaplin like crazy. Uh, oh. And unless oh. Landau again um, directed that, and um, and he allowed me to do something uh, that was right out of Charlie Chaplin, you know, it, it, it's it's with, with I I do the mathematics, trying to do a mathematics on a, a computer screen, and finally I just throw the computer away because I, I'm just so frustrated <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with, yeah, with it.
0: That's one- it's one of the be- actually. Indies, go- you know,
10: they just you know, money, 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 and Klingons are like that way. You know,
0: it's just so great how animated you are with a character, um, and especially like you know, I, I keep bringing back the board game. But in the board game, you're just so animated. It's you know, like you were talking about throwing away the the computer. There was this one moment in the board game where you're tapping on the on the console and you just like make this face at it of anger, and it's just so great how. Uh, how it just conveys through the makeup, how your emotions just go right through it. You're just you have such an amazing um, craft about you that's just so great.
4: Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It was never a mystery what Galron was thinking, right? No, no right. Like, like you just it just, just <laughs> right out master there. Master of
0: subtext.
2: Yeah.
10: <laughs> <laughs> Irish plays would have just gone way over his head. <laughs> <laughs> the. the um, uh, there, there, there was a the, the, the CD-ROM I did. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see the CD-ROM, but that was um, even more over the top uh, mm. at times. And Frakes directed that. It, was, it mm. took about two to three weeks for, to do that, but it had an entire cast.
2: Mm-hmm.
10: Um, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun to, to do. I think you can see it online. Um, uh, it's something Klingon. Uh, but it, it's a lot of fun, and it, I have to do monologues in it, and okay. long, very very long monologue, pretty funny. Okay, well, yeah, of
4: you're, no, yeah, mon- you're on the cover, man. I just I just looked this up. Yeah, I, this is this, yeah. this this one slipped by me. This one slipped by. I no, didn't know. i to
10: watch one. it because it's pretty pretty. I mean, there's a scene between me and a begins with a P. Um, they they are the, the hawk. Uh, no it wasn't Pac, but oh. Pac, it? but yeah. it's it's a an alien who is not the brightest fellows in the world and and oh packlids pack packlids and, and the guy who was hired to do that packled should have won an Emmy because he was one of the most brilliant actors i've ever acted with he was so stupid he was brilliant i mean <laughs> it was just like genius the guy was genius you know?
4: Joel mcKinnon miller was his name according to wikipedia well, you know is, memory alpha
10: you know i just uh, I. I, he had me. I couldn't, you know. I couldn't.
4: Oh, I he's just, one of these guys that's been in everything. He's he was in he's in Brooklyn Nine Nine. You can see him in Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. Big Love, the Truman Show. Oh, er, if you go, everybody go. IMDb and, and yes, he is good. He yeah. is really good. He was, yeah.
10: He was just a genius, and I was like, I, you know, I I couldn't keep it together. You know, I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if you ever seen Doctor Strangelove. You know, the, the original movie. Dr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Russian ambassador. You know, it just. Chuckles through the whole film, and they had to cut around him he couldn't keep straight face. In, in the film, you know? And film. you'll see so, him break up. If you really watch the film, you'll see his stomach moving. You,
0: know,
10: <laughs> <he's
4: crying>. <laughs> you know, they didn't. Get he's, he's laughing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. So
0: there's there's been a resurgence in Star Trek now, right? With all the new Trek and stuff, and, and you've reprised your role on Star Trek Online. Has anybody approached you to perhaps you know make an appearance in the the animated the new animated series that's out? Lower decks. I think uh, J J G lent his voice on that one. He didn't play. He didn't play uh, um, Martok. Martok, but he lent oh. his voice. Have you? Has somebody knocked on your door yet? I
10: I, I would do it. I would do it if, if they came knocking on my door. And uh, um, I, I retired uh, quite a while ago, but I would come back for anything Gauron or Klingon
4: related. I'll put it that way. Oh, nice, you nice. Anybody well, over to see to
10: Because I, I just love
4: Klingons. You know, it's like you're wearing the hat right now. I mean, I? It's, it's, it's right, right now you're wearing the hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this
10: is my everyday hat. You know, my neighbors go. Eh, eh. clean know, lives next door. It's kind of uh, little, little, little trainings. You know, he goes, walks around, going, mm. just, just walking, <laughs> just, walking around, <laughs> just walking around, looking <laughs> at we things. Go by with our headlights. You see when, that? when,
4: <laughs> when your when your neighbors' uh, uh, branches are too far over your fence line, do you make him go experience bees? You, you tell him they're gonna <laughs> actually.
10: <laughs> That was a couple of houses ago. You know when I was there, okay. people would look over the fence a lot and I'd be going, <laughs> it's, just
4: "It's staring like, at You up. know what? I think
0: of. I think it makes me think Theory of Home Improvement. Goes, you know? That one character in Home Improvement that was only from the from the. Oh yeah, yeah,
4: Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. Yes, the up. Yeah, yeah. Patrick,
0: yeah. you I'm not wearing anything, so you
2: know.
10: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh,
4: that's great. So that's why they were looking over the fence. Oh, I get it now. Okay. I get it. Makes total sense now. I get it.
0: So in Trust the Roddenberry... Me,
10: nobody wants to see a Klingon naked. Trust me.
0: <laughs> so in the Roddenberry Showdown, you did a uh, a reading of Jabberwocky. What? Where did that come from? What, what, what inspired you to do that one? Did they ask you or did you offer it?
10: Um, I, you know, I... Uh, I think it's one of their favorites. Uh, okay. And, and uh, I, matter of fact, it's interesting because I'm I'm just about to write uh, somebody who was my English teacher, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Erickson, uh, in my old high school, and he uh, he was the one who made us all memorize the Jabberwocky. And so I always had it in my head. Once you learn the Jabberwocky, you ne- you can't forget it because it's so damn hard to, to memorize to begin with. But um, so I carried it. Around Around and I think at a convention, you know, a hundred years ago, I, somebody said, you, "Could you do a poem?" And I said, "Sure," and I did that, and it became very popular. So I've always pulled it out of my, you know, uh, top hat um, uh, at conventions uh, when needed. You know, when people are snoring in the in the aisles, uh, I'll, I'll pull I, it out. And, and JG loves it, and, and uh, JG does masterful uh, Shakespeare. And, um, and and I'm okay with the Jabberwocky, so you
0: know. it was great it was great it was just it came out of nowhere but it was great it <laughs> was you. great Thank you. Thank you. so it's a real pleasure to uh to have shared a little bit of you know I, we didn't get to work together but I, I worked with the band in Philadelphia we did that one little recording for the Fredenge Uh so, so it was maybe an honor see a...
10: each other in Philly at some point you
4: know
0: yes I hope so yeah. I hope so I hope yeah. so yeah um, I mean, we see well, each
4: other now, but you know what? I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Back when the world gets back to normal. Right. Yes. Now call in
10: and get money. We need that's money. That's right.
0: That's right. We are. That's right. Thank you, Jake, for posting that into the no, chat where everybody's looking.
10: This is a Klingon challenge. Okay, that's it. Wait, a minute. let me say this. This mm-hmm. is a Klingon challenge. I challenge you all to give, to give heartily, and then drink.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Here, here. here here. Here here. Well, Bob, thank you so very much for spending your afternoon with us and helping us raise funds. Remember, captains, once we hit $2000, we can start doing all these voicemails and trying to give them away and 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 uh livening up your your outgoing messages. Uh but Bob, thank you so very much if if is are there any projects you're currently working on anything people should be aware of and and Kind of stay attentive to, other than the work from Star Trek Online.
10: Well, I am doing for Cryptic Studios. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll be working towards uh, middle of the year for them, and and uh, playing uh, um, a character we all know and love, uh, or hate, you know, depending on, <laughs> on your viewpoint of, of Gauron, and uh, 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 you know. Uh, that's about it. I write uh, um, and hoping to uh, the conventions will I'll be coming up and doing uh, the Vegas show. So I've come to Vegas and, uh, right. um, and and hopefully, Kat, you'll be at Vegas. You know, I
3: plan and- on it. All I right, would have gone you. last year, but for. I know,
10: <laughs> the- yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I will I will see you soon. And if you ever need me again, I'm here.
0: I appreciate Thank that. You so Thank much. you so very much, Robert. Thank you. Take care.
10: All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. Of All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Coming on challenge. Go forward.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 500 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
3: And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Retley, Peter Archibald,
0: and Gerald Bosch. And we have a new patron! Adela has become a patron of Priority One Podcast. So, welcome, Adela. Welcome. Thank you. Captains, it's
4: important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod.
3: And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek online and the armada community including spotlighting some of our amazing members with regular giveaways there's something for all star trek online players whether you're new or a veteran follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times and if you'd like to join the armada visit priority1armada.com
0: this episode of priority one podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com During these difficult times, captains were humbled by the continued support of our patrons, who find value in the content that we produce each and every week. To join the family, visit... Patreon.com forward slash priority one.
4: And if you think you're gonna miss me, don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, of the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a live urn. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets.
0: A very special thanks to our guests this episode, Allison Pill. Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Alexander Siddig, Robert O'Reilly, Rod Roddenberry, Star Trek Online's Al Captain Gecko Rivera, our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hurt, and his guest, Whitney Clavin, And to our last-minute guests, like Alan of Zeph Films, and Star Trek Online's environment artist, Nick Duguid. But of course, we can't forget to thank our team. Our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Roscoe, Lennon, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they helped us organize not only our weekly show, but our 500th celebration. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, our friends, our supporters. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
3: Enemy ship on sensors.
4: Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage.